<laughs> Holy shit, I've got a lot of alcohol in me. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's good. The Hammer Pub requires alcohol. Yes. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome back to Scream Addicts. Well, fuck that up again. Hang on. Holy shit. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome back to Scream Addicts Hammer Pub. I am Jinx, your co-host. Sitting with me is Paul Farrell. Paul, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing so good. This- it's been a good day. Good. Yeah, yeah, we will get into that. Absolutely. It's been a good day. So this is what, man? This is the second episode of Hammer Pub, but it's also like the eighth episode of Getting Hammered with Hammer. If I were a listener, I'd probably be a little confused if I hopped around from time to time, maybe didn't listen to every single episode going forward. So can you tell them exactly what the hell is going on with this newly rebranded side project of Scream Addicts that we're currently doing? I absolutely can. Um and uh, I think our show, the, the important thing about any podcast or any any work of art is is allowing it to evolve and, and grow into its greater self, you know, into what it was always meant to become. And uh, uh, as we have traversed the getting hammered with hammer uh, uh, show, we've kind of learned that getting hammered sometimes leads to uh, uh, people almost dying to you can, don't, shows, don't, don't say to, people. You can just you, to you can tell Jinx them. specifically almost dying to shows being lost, uh, and awesome. realistically, you know, we 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 want to do this for the people. We're here for the people, and uh, we don't want to lose our shows. We don't want to die. Um, so instead of uh, pumping as much alcohol as is humanly possible into our bodies every week, um, we thought that we would. You know, take a take a leaf out of the hammer booklet and uh, and just hit up a hammer pub every week and have a few pints with some friends. Uh, and by pints, I mean beers. Uh, so Jinx has Ugh. committed to drinking beer every week. What uh, the fuck? Just a couple the guys slick, swinging back oh, some beers, tying Paul. a few on, Paul, no. and uh, enjoying a hammer horror film. And uh, um, do, do you have? So you disagree? Is this? You don't. You're not going to do that. Uh, I'm not drinking beer, Paul. You know this. Well, I mean, it, I just feel like at Never. pubs, what are they generally drinking? Uh, okay. You know, it... you know, they. It was like the hammer pubs that we see in these movies uh-huh. were from ages past. Sure, they did, sure. They, did, but... was, they, they were they were people of an unenlightened age. They didn't mm. know any better. They drank seems a little judgy. Drank. Well, I I am by God judging them. Yes, if they drank (laughs) beer and enjoyed it, I'm sorry. Wow, wow. Yeah, did it, did it. Okay, well, okay, well, it doesn't have to be beer. Ages ago. It doesn't have to be beer. (laughs) All right, but we will drink. We will drink. We're not doing the drinking game thing, if for no other reason than because uh, uh, listeners didn't really seem to be joining in. I know everybody is listening out there, but uh, we didn't really have any engagement. People didn't seem to... uh, take to the drinking game idea uh and uh it nearly killed me so what we'll do is we'll just kind of drink recreationally and we'll still provide commentaries for hammer movies i think that'll be great paul speaking of drinking recreationally i if you can't tell you can tell but if you can't tell i have already had a few today 
Now, this episode is probably not going to air or air, run, public, whatever. This episode is not going to go up for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to go ahead and clue people in on what day we're recording. We, Paul, are recording on Saturday, November 7th. Now, would you like to remind people in the future why you and I and a good 52 to 54% of the country might be celebrating today? Well, there's I'm a sorry, good I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 52 to 54% of the country and pretty much the rest of the fucking world. Everybody else, yeah. I mean, everybody. Um, well, we're celebrating... A victory that was announced after several days of painstaking counting of uh, ballots. The president-elect Joe Biden uh, is is you, why could, we're celebrating. Could you could you repeat that because I I didn't have my drink in hand that I wanted to drink when you when, when oh you sure sure we can cheers I, I that. Just, yeah just just one more time <laughs> just, yeah just say it say it the, out loud. the president-elect Joe Biden and vice president elect kamal harris it's a big day it's a big day yeah so that was fucking fantastic we oh, man. have had this dark fucking cloud hanging over us for the last week or the cloud. last four years depending <laughs> yeah. on uh, how you want to look at it and uh you know what today guys it was like the end of jaws the great white shark got his fucking face blown off he is descending down into the depths Head first, even though he doesn't really have that much of a head anymore, to the tune of the truck dying at the end of Spielberg's previous movie, Duel. Meanwhile, our heroes are paddling to shore, blue skies ahead, sun at their back, better days ahead. I really want to see somebody make that, like, clip. (laughs) You know how they did that with, did you see the Avengers thing? Yeah, you know, and we, oh, fuck. Yeah, they ruined it, though, didn't they? At the one, it's a little crazy to begin with, but I was still. Well, it wasn't like great, but but if somebody did that with Jaws. I I could get into that maybe. Okay, the, like, if, they, it, if they did Jaws, that would be fine as long as motherfucking Sean Connery doesn't show up at the very end of the clip. I'll yeah, be... we don't need we don't need no Connery. <laughs> Muddying no, up although, our. I gotta say, muddying up our metaphorical. I, I do movie. I do have a regret, and I will say this: by the time people listen to this, they will probably heard the Curse of the Werewolf episode that dropped the same week that Sean Connery passed away. Now. That episode was actually recorded about two months prior, and I kid you not, it was purely random uh, that we brought up Sean Connery, and I said something that, while, you know, I think was kind of justified at the time, given when the episode dropped, it was an unfortunate timing, and I just want to apologize and say that I should not have called Sean Connery a son of a bitch, because I don't know anything about his mother whatsoever and i don't want to cast any aspersions against her so please allow me to redo it sean connery was a fucking asshole (laughs) he was a wife beating fucking prick i don't feel bad just because he happened to shuffle loose that mortal coil a piece of shit is a piece of shit whether he's dead or alive 
And Sean Connery is somebody who, at at least one point in his life, stood over a bloodied, unconscious woman that he had beaten as such. I got nothing for him. I don't care if you like him as fucking 007 or not. <laughs> well, um, I gotcha. <laughs> Call back. Sorry. Sorry, Call back me... to my gotcha. Let me. Uh, uh, my bond is my bond is uh, Pierce Brosnan. So, I mean. No love lost. No love lost for me. And I don't like the third Indiana Jones movie, so. Uh, that's actually my favorite, in spite of Connery's presence. Ooh. Yeah. This it, this seems like we're going off topic pretty early this week. It, it is. Well, uh, yeah. I would, I see, and I'm somebody who loves uh, Temple. I love Temple. And I, I, I think people are way too hard on Temple. I, I think not. we've had, I think we've had this conversation. This, sounds, this is like deja vu. <laughs> Spielberg, like he he bashes Temple, and I'm like, dude, don't apologize for yeah. Temple. Don't apologize for Temple. Like, that's... We don't, well, we don't have to talk about that one. No, the, we don't. The third, the third one's at least a competently made movie. I just don't like it. Fair enough. I, you know, I never understood. <laughs> I, I, you know, you know what my least favorite of the original three are? It's actually Raiders, which everyone counts as. Oh, really? Movie. Yeah, I I actually think they get a little bit better as they go. Like Raiders, damn good. Movie. Oh, I love Raiders. I mean, I, I, but yeah, Temple, I don't know. Temple I, is better, even though Temple is. I mean, you know, you don't realize this when you're five years old in the mid '80s, but Temple now, like if you watch it now, problematic as hell. Absolutely. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but uh, no, Last Crusade, I think's a blast. Uh, you know, I don't even hate Crystal Skull. It's just you know, it's it feels like Spielberg let Lucas come in and just put his smudgy fingerprints on it a little mm-hmm. too much, you know? Um, yeah, too much and CGI. I, and I hate hating Lucas. I do, because I think Lucas has done some wonderful things. But, yeah, no, come on. <laughs> anyway. anyway, so... Anyway, before <laughs> we get into usually... the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> let's go ahead on to Hammer. <laughs> well, hey... What's the what's the rush? We're only like ten minutes in, man. This is this is the part That's of the true. Where Our Curse like, of the Werewolf preamble was like forty five minutes. Forty five fucking minutes. Like a good twenty of that was devoted <laughs> to star weaving. So I refuse to apologize for that. But uh, yeah, no. So what? I don't know, man. What have you? Uh, what have you watched this past week? Have you seen anything that you really dug? I, I gotta say, I'm gonna go ahead and. This is probably going to be all you because uh, I I have spent the week traveling. I am currently sitting in southern Ohio. Um, spent the week traveling and uh, you know working on a project and basically just being worried every fucking evening that Trump might still be president for another four years. So I haven't really watched much. But uh, how about you? In in the week since we talked Brides of Dracula, what uh what have you caught? Um, man, I haven't watched as much horror as you know post-october i kind of like scale back the horror a little bit um i have watched some things um i'll talk about two movies uh the first movie i watched uh for the first time since it was in theaters was the haunting the 1999 remake of the haunting with like liam neeson and um you know owen wilson Catherine Z- Zeta Jones. Oh, I I endured it. I I, I remember it well. When was the last time you saw it? Because uh, theaters, nineteen ninety nine. Right, exactly. Me too. So that's why I rewatched it. It it came out. You know how Paramount's doing those like 
Paramount Presents Blu-rays. Have you seen I, that? I've seen those handsome sons of bitches. I've yet to pick one up. Yeah, so so here's the thing. I hated <laughs> the Haunting remake when I saw it in theaters, and I never watched it again. And, you know, that that was 20 years ago. I'm, I, a part of me is like, well, maybe I should check it out again, whatever. Um, and Paramount put it out on one of those Paramount Presents with, like, a new 4K transfer. And I was like, well, you know, maybe this is... My excuse. I'm a collector. We, I'll buy it. We 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 physical media enthusiasts are, are such suckers. Just saying it out loud <laughs> makes me feel bad <laughs> because you know that's exactly what they're banking on. But anyway, so I bought it. It's a really nice presentation. The packaging's really nice, um, and and the transfer looked great. I mean, it was it looked really really good. I could tell that it was cleaned up and whatnot. Now. I should preface this, and I don't know, forgive me if I talked about this last time, but I finally watched The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Did I talk about this on the last one? I know, actually. I think you finished it up just, what, like two or three days ago? Like okay, yeah. I, time is, you know... The, the election, just, man. It's whatever. This week, this week so been I guess I could talk. I guess I could talk about both of those things. So that was another reason I wanted to watch it. Was I watched Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House, which you know, what more is there to say about that movie? I adored it. I cried my eyes out. It's amazing. It's great. I can't wait to watch it again. I immediately went out and bought the uh, Blu-ray because it has extended episodes. And again, as I said before, I'm I'm a collector and I'm just a sucker like that. I have only seen the extended episodes because uh, (laughs) at the time I didn't have Netflix for whatever reason. And when I finally got Netflix, I just didn't catch up to it. And then I saw it on on Blu-ray sitting in Best Buy. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a Mike Flanagan joint. So why not? Why not pick it up? And so I watched it that way, not realizing straight away that there were, you know, the extended episodes weren't on Netflix. Uh, Cool. And so, my God, you know, yeah. And if if Doctor Sleep is anything to go by, uh, extended Flanagan is where it's at. So well, and I think that makes sense because he's such an emotional storyteller. You know, his his horror is is good because of the character work. You know, that's what's I I don't know. I think that's what separates him. When I think about Flanagan, I think about like how deeply he he feels his characters and how how well he draws them. Um, and so more time can only be a good thing when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Dr. Sleep was probably my most anticipated movie of the year that it came out. Uh, however long ago that was five years, 10 years, I don't know. Um, but Dr. Sleep, when I caught it in theaters, it was what, two and a half hours long. Yeah. And I walked out thinking like, um, you know, that was, that was good. You know, it was good. It was fine. You know, it was fun. It was, it was okay for what it was, you know, eh. Uh, and completest that I am, of course, I bought the Blu-ray, and of course I popped it in to watch the director's cut, which is something like 30 minutes longer, got to the end of it, and I was like, oh, this is actually a fucking <laughs> masterpiece. Like, this is, those <laughs> well, 30 minutes elevated that movie so, like, it, to me, it's not even comparable. That's interesting, because I, I had the exact, like, the experience you had with Hill House was the experience I had with Dr. Sleep. I missed Dr. Sleep in theaters, I picked up the Blu-ray, so I've only ever seen the extended cut. I hate to say uh, it, I think that's probably even though, you know, we all want to see movies like that on the big screen. I think 
that's for the best. I think you saw the yeah. best version first. Well, and I agree. Well, I mean, I agree. I haven't seen the other version, but from what I hear, uh, it sounds right. And and my takeaway was your takeaway. I watched and I was like, oh, this is his best thing. Like, this is amazing. Although, now that I've seen Haunting of Hill House, that might be my new favorite Flanagan thing because it's just so... It's not really fair, though, to compare that to a movie. Like, I don't, I don't think you can compare Haunting of Hill House to a to a two-hour movie you know because hunting of hill house gets the benefit of 10 hours you know so of course it's more emotionally compelling yeah um, it, it it is but at the same time like i you know what do you what what do you call it it's not television it's not episodic even though there are no, episodes I, you know I think of it it's, a mini it's a mini series it that, that's what it is i mean it, anything that's longer than like three or four hours to me is a miniseries if it's if it's under four hours it's a movie like you know it's just how i see it like like the it miniseries i actually just think of as a long movie um the you know the made for tv it um because of the the runtime if it if it's like three three and a half hours i i think of it as a film if it's six to eight hours then it's it's a series but it's a, a limited run series to me but, it, it almost has like the thing that strikes me is it's more about structure like what each true. chunk is trying to do you know well, and, and I, honestly the one thing that completely threw me the one thing i mean here's the thing i probably wouldn't even want to have a conversation about what the difference between television and movies are were it not for sure. uh uh, David Lynch's Twin Peaks: The Return. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna. Because say that, the, I still haven't seen that. What? Oh, you have Okay. Well, I can't really talk at length about it. Then, I mean, but you I was just can. saying it's I, not. It's not television. It's not episodic. Yeah. But it's not a movie. It's not like it's not a miniseries. You know, it's it's its own fucking thing. And well, that's, it's, that's what's great about film in general is it can be a lot of things. You know, like. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, but um, but you, but at the same time too, and maybe I, you know, I'm guilty of this right now or whatever for insisting on like you know like maybe trying to define things through structure. I do hate it when, uh, you know, when people try and bash movies for that. You know, being like, well, it didn't adhere to the three act or the five act. Oh, well, so clearly it's a mess. It's dumb. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's not an argument. I mean, well, the, you're going to attack every inventive filmmaker because none of them adhere to it you know i mean all of the great the best ones don't right that, all of the great minds in film all of the great directors pretty much flip off structure i mean look at tarantino's movies they yeah. don't give a fuck about three structure they they are their own thing i mean hell some of tarantino's films are basically three short films crammed together <laughs> i mean that that's what that's what django is django is basically like three short films uh, you know, and 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 they each have their own structure, that and and that's fine. I mean, I took screenwriting classes in college, and like, I had different teachers, right? Like, so you have like screenwriting one and screenwriting two, and it was really funny because the teachers that were the best, the teachers that actually like accomplished something with their students, were the ones that were like, "I'm going to teach you how to write a screenplay," but. I'm also going to challenge you to not just do that. Like, it's important you know what the structure is and you need to know how to define it and read it and understand it. But 
structure does not a good screenplay make you no, know god no um <clears throat> I mean, and how many paul you know to bring it to the subject at hand how many hammer movies do you know that follow the three act structure as we know it where by <laughs> minute 15 we have to have the inciting incident and then we have right. to have the first act pinch and then the sure. the midpoint like all of that bullshit like none of that matters as yeah. far as telling an engaging and entertaining story Right. And that's, well, that's what makes, I love that we, I, that was a great Hammer transition. I'm just going to applaud you for that. Um, and that's one of the things that's great about Hammer is that that's what they cared. They cared about entertaining their audiences and they cared about making something compelling um, no matter what. And, and often it felt like they were willing to open their minds up to however you needed to tell that story. Um, and, and to kind of like tie that into Haunting of Hill House, like what I loved about what really engaged me was the way they told the story nonlinearly, but also how every little detail was sort of like important and tied into a different character's journey, like how they all impacted each other. And, and there was never a moment that was wasted. You know, most shows or miniseries to me have a lot of wasted time, like fluff episodes or filler moments. Nothing in Haunting of Hill House was filler. It all mattered. It all amounted to something. Um, and that made the the act of watching it, especially as you got deeper into it, so rewarding um, that I I just it's unlike any other miniseries or show that I've watched recently. Um, and that's one of the reasons I don't watch a lot of shows is because they almost always disappoint me. <laughs> they almost always drop the ball, but this show really didn't and rewarded you for paying attention. And that's incredibly rare. Yeah, I agree. I think it's brilliant. I, I can't wait to see what the guy does next. I still need to, uh, to watch Bly Manor. Although yeah, I gotta I'm, tell you, I'm a little bummed that he is uh, you know i've heard good things about the show i can't wait to see it uh i will watch it soon but uh, i'm maybe a little bummed that other directors are kind of helping to lighten the load a bit you know what i mean like i I, i'm having like true detective season two flashbacks which i liked true detective season two but true detective season two was a really good season of television whereas season one was a fucking singular masterpiece you know so yeah, well, it's hard to recreate things like that. You know, you're we're not going to get... I mean, Haunting of Hill House was a singular thing. You're not going to get that again. You know, anytime you try to do... And that's the problem with sequels in general, or just trying to do something else. But at the same time, I'm happy it's there, and I'm excited to watch it. Um, but yeah, it is a little disappointing. It's not all him. Hilariously, all of this is because I was going to talk about 1999's <laughs> I was, Haunting, I was going to which ask. I never talked about. Um, and we should probably start the episode, so uh, I'll wrap this up. So anyway, I put on that, that disc the other night. Um, and here's my takeaway. When I, when I saw it in 99, I hated it because I remembered the CGI being really bad and the movie just being bad. I don't know, just like not working on any level. This time around... I was amazed at how boring it was. Okay. Um, Which was not. I thought you were going to a very different place. You're cutting me off and you're not listening. 
<laughs> no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had, I was I had just... to be a jerk. I had to be a no, jerk. No, no, you're totally I'm... right. I should nope, preface. Nope, I, I, I should explain. I should explain. I should explain for uh for audiences because that is a great shot that you just took. Um, before we began recording, I actually had to apologize to Paul because I listened to the opening 45 minutes of our Curse of the Werewolf episode where I kept interrupting Paul. The problem is, is like when I get too much alcohol in me, I get too chatty and I, 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 I get interrupty. So I apologize. Paul. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I, 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 I thought that was hilarious. Um, no, I, I was wondering if I was going to like this movie and I was just bored, man. I was bored the entire time. It, it isn't offensively bad. So the movie itself is fine. It's competently made. The the acting is fine. But like so little happens and there's not that many characters to interact with. And, you know, sure, they do some of the iconic moments from the original The Haunting, which I adore. Um, But it just never really lands or accumulates. Um, and they try to, to, to make this really heart wrenching story with, with Nell, which was also weird by the way, to have like the characters that, uh, Flanagan sort of adopted for, I don't know. I, I don't know the story of the book and who's more accurate than others, but it was definitely weird seeing alternate versions of Theo and Nell, you know, like these characters I just watched. The, in Flanagan and seeing like Catherine Zeta Jones be Theo is like, Ooh, this is not working for me. So she, it definitely, yeah, it definitely like hurt my experience because I just watched such a great version of those characters. Um, yeah, the CGI is really poor. Um, but I will say the sets are great and gorgeous and cool, but man, like, I don't know. It came out right alongside um, House on Haunted Hill. And that's just such a better version of what this movie was trying to be. <laughs> you know, it, it really feels like they wanted to make the haunting for a hip teen audience. And they just really failed because there's not, there, it's just hollow. It's just a hollow, empty, sort of boring experience. Whereas House on Haunted Hill at least is fun. And has a big cast, has a lot of people, and people, you know, has the 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 deaths and the the insanity that this movie has zero of, um, and tries to sort of infuse in its final act, but really just kind of falls on its face. So, I'm here to report that 20 years later, the 1999 remake of The Haunting is still incredibly disappointing. Um, it's, it blows my mind that it's still that it's that it's twenty years old. That is insane to me. My yeah. God, I'm not like I old. might enjoy it just on that level alone. You know, sometimes when you watch a movie from the '90s, you're just like, "Oh, this is fun." It's a '90s movie. Yeah. Like even if it isn't good, like you kind of just have fun with it. And I will say, there were moments where I felt that way. Like there were moments where I'm watching like, um, you know, the characters like Luke Wilson be the comic relief where I'm like, okay, I like Luke Wilson. I can, I can watch him be funny, but the movie just admittedly doesn't work. Uh, and yeah, watch house on Hunted Hill instead. Um, you know, it's man. funny because I think, tell me if I'm wrong about this. I, I would need to do a little bit of research, but way back in the day, I want to think that 
I had read something where William Castle made House on Haunted Hill as kind of a quick knockoff of The Haunting. Like, in fact, I think it was around the same time that The Haunting came out, and the reason The Haunting wasn't called The Haunting of Hill House, much like the uh, the book, was because House on Haunted Hill, like, got in there and, you know, wound up beating them to theaters. And apparently the same thing happened in 99 with The Haunting and House on Haunted Hill yet again. So it was almost yeah. like history repeating itself in, like, this beautiful kind of way. And I remember... I remember being pissed off at House on a Haunted Hill. You know, I wasn't familiar with uh, William Castle's movies at that point, but I remember thinking like, oh, they're going to do this cheap knockoff again to ride the coattails of what is obviously going to be this prestige production with Liam Neeson and Lily yeah, Taylor and yes. Jan DeBont's going to be directing. And, you know, how dare this other movie try and steal its thunder, even though it's going to be coming out a couple of months later. And then, you know, cut to the end of 99, and I was like, I fucking love House on Haunted Hill so much, and The Haunting was one of the worst films I've seen this year. Well, and that's what's so sad about it is, like, so I was a, I guess I'll date myself here, because I don't really give, I don't care. I was a freshman in high school when when this was all going. In 99, I was a freshman in high school. And um, I remember everybody was excited to see The Haunting. That was the big movie. And House on Haunted Hill felt like a cheap, cheap knockoff. It was it was like one of those like Armageddon deep impact situations where it's like, oh, one of these is like the real movie. And the other one's like the one that, you know, is just sort of aping it and trying to cash in on it. And we all just sort of like wrote off House on Haunted Hill, to be honest. Now, I wasn't a horror fan growing up. I, I would see these movies because they were big, but I wasn't like actively seeking out horror, not until I was older. So like, even though I saw The Hunting and didn't like it, I, I never gave House on Haunted Hill a, a chance. I don't even think I saw it until years and years later. And I still thought of it as like a lesser movie just because of that sort of... And I know a lot of, like everyone like at, at school and everything thought that way too. And it sucks because House on Haunted Hill is such a better movie. <laughs> it is. It it's absolutely is. so much better. And there's so much more there and so many more fun performances. And man, Jeffrey Rush in that movie is just a blast. Like he is having the time of his life in that role. Yeah. He, I think he said once that um, in an interview that he was essentially doing uh, John Waters. But to me, it's like, Man, you're also being Vincent Price. Not only he's, are you playing Price. the Vincent yeah. Price role. I mean, role, there's like, waters in oh, there. For well, sure. to me, it's like a, but, a beautiful marriage of the two, you know? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and Famke Jensen's great. And like, man, everybody in that movie's great. But, um, and, and I think time's been kind to it. You know, I think now people look back and, but The Haunting was the prestige film. Like, it, it had a huge budget. Um, this, the sets were immaculate. I mean, the, the house was gorgeous. I mean, I, that was one thing I will say when I was watching that movie, I was, I was very impressed with the production value and the design that deserves some, you know, merit, but all of it, what sucks for the, for anyone that worked really hard on that movie is like, it all becomes hollow if the movie itself doesn't work or if there's no life to it, you know? Um, and but... I gotta say though, you know, out of all of them, like I, 
Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones, they're there for the paycheck. They do perfectly sure. solid work, but they're not engaging at all. Uh, no. Owen Wilson, I think you can tell he's happy to be there. Um, Lily Taylor, I think, is actually pretty damn great in it, but it's just yes. she's never good. she never got the memo that you know. <laughs> well, it, it, it just wasn't that her movie. Performance like feels disjointed from the others. Like hers is so sincere and so deep. It it just, but it feels like she's kind of drowning when you're watching the movie because it doesn't gel with the other people there that aren't giving it the same level of respect and attention that she is. Um, plus like, it's just not that well written. I don't know. You know, there's, there's some issues, but I agree that she showed up and she did a good job and, and the movie, like she shouldn't be faulted for being in that film. Like it's not poor because of her. I think it's just, I also think there should have been more people in that freaking house. Like the movie feels really empty. Like there should have been more people. There should have been more casualties. There should have been more there because otherwise it feels hollow or, or they should have leaned heavier into the dramatic, um, psych, like the psychology of it a little bit more than, because as it is, it feels like it's trying to be a more exciting film than it actually is. And there's not enough people there to make it exciting. Well, no, he tried to, you know, Jan de Bont tried to turn a quiet, creepy, uh, you know, there is, it's certainly supernatural, but it's essentially a psychological thriller. He tried to turn it into an action film. And it's yeah. just that's not what that story is. Well, Weirdly enough, it could have been refitted to have been that, but he actually, like whoever wrote the script, they, they, they are actually somewhat faithful to the Shirley Jackson novel. They, they do it badly, but you can tell they've read the book, you know, and the original Robert Wise version is faithful. The Flanagan version. And look, I, I love it. I love the haunting of Hill house. I think it's some of the best television or whatever the hell it is uh, that I've seen in ages. It's fucking great. It's not faithful at all. And it's not even merely an issue of them needing to expand it to 10 hours. I honestly think that it's like a, a, uh, I don't know if you saw Darren Bousman's Mother's Day uh, with Rebecca de Mornay. Uh, I have it. I have not watched it. I'll make this make sense, I promise. (laughs) There was, so he was attached to a screenplay that Dimension was developing back in the day called Wichita. Um, it was this dark, creepy, you know, um, uber violent kind of desperate hours kind of movie Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get it made. So at some point he wound up getting it funded as a remake of mother's day, the old Lloyd Kaufman, um, uh, flick. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing is that Wichita has fucking nothing to do with Mother's Day, but what they did was they basically took the names from the original Mother's Day, and then they renamed the the, the closest analogous figures in Wichita by those characters' names, and they changed the fucking name of the movie to Mother's Day, and then boom, that's what it was, right? Uh, With The Haunting of Hill House, it would fucking stun me. Like, I would be shocked 
if that wasn't a complete, if that didn't begin its life as a completely original 10 hour series that Flanagan had created and was shopping around Mm -hmm. and they wound up making it by basically saying like, well, we can call it the haunting or the haunting of Hill house. And we can name these characters by the names in the book. And that's, you know, we might be able to squeak by on name recognition for that. I don't know how many people out there were, were clamoring for, uh, another haunting, but Hey, you know, um, because that's about as close as it is to Shirley Jackson's novel. Well, and then he gets to use the prose because he he takes some of her prose for like the big speeches, like yeah, and yeah. and they're very, they're pretty impactful, like like the especially the ending, and then yeah, he changes the, like one or two words. Well, but, it's not, like, no no he changes the entire meaning. Like well, he do two, I, two I agree. Effects, no, no, I but... I agree. Like obviously, by changing the final word, I mean, I guess that's a spoiler, but by changing the final word, it like completely changes everything. But it's still the prose, and it's meaningful because we know it's so familiar to us. Yeah, I mean, most people watching that have heard that. You know, whoever you know, whoever walks there walks alone. You've heard that a million times. Like that's a super famous like line from a story and like to change it is the shock in a way and not a shock, but like, uh, it, it hit me really strongly emotionally I because did. I was expecting the other word. Right. 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 And, um, and so I think that's purposefully playing off of it at that point. It's like, Oh, we want you to be familiar with what we're doing so you can understand how impactful it is that we're changing it. And that no. this is my vision of this. I get that. I get that. I just don't like to me, it's so vastly different. I can't understand like him sitting down with a copy of the Jackson book at the very beginning and being like, yeah, no, I'm going to turn this into this. Probably brought that into a different idea that he had. I I, I, I just got to tell you, like I worked at a bookstore when it came out and I remember, I can't tell you how many people came up with like the Netflix artwork branded reissue of the Shirley Jackson novel giddy to read it, which was awesome. But, but you know, like I, I, it was more than one person that I had a conversation with where they were talking about, uh, Oh, have you read the book? And I was like, well, yes, I have actually. They're like, Oh, isn't it great? Don't you love this character who blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, um, what? Like, you know, uh, this is before I saw it, of course. And uh, yeah. so I, 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 I would be very curious to see what people who discovered that story through the Netflix series ultimately made of the novel if they read it after. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it would be disappointing if you went into it expecting what you just saw, you know, or, or a variation. Because it, it is very different. Um, but, no, I think this is a case where, like, the differences are what make it good but i still think it fits in the universe of that book and and what it's trying to say i think it's just creating more of a hopeful and i think that's the thing about flanagan is he has a lot of hope infused in the darkness which is cool but yeah no i would i would agree with that absolutely um and that's why i love it that's why i love dr sleep i mean dr sleep is a yeah dr sleep was very 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 great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very dark story, but you know, hopeful. hopeful. Oh yeah, real dark. The 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 uh, first that first like t- 
what, 25, 30 minutes where he, with the kid and all that, I was like, oh my God, this is, yeah, this is, this is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But But he's um, one of those guys, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out which contemporary filmmakers are going to be regarded as the masters like 10 15 20 years from now yeah, like, we were, who, yeah we were talking about that yeah 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 we were texting a bit like um yeah and we, we don't have to get into it because i know we there's a kind of contention <laughs> I between have you and I about it. terrible but, takes you do not you do not have to reveal any of it but um um <laughs> But but Flanagan, like if he keeps going, like at the pace he's going, like that guy, he's, I just holy shit, like he's he's. I think he already is kind of a master. I think he's reached that level. You know what? You know, I'll admit this. I, I'll I'll admit I didn't think that. But having seen Haunting of Hill House, honestly, it completely flipped my perspective on him i think haunting of hill house is so good that he's pretty much automatically a master just for that (laughs) i mean it's 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 like one of the best horror things i've ever seen i i mean i'm pretty close to it still so i don't want to like i there's a lot of hyperbole in how much i like it right now so i gotta like give it you know a couple months like i gotta like okay i just saw it i can't you know but that and Dr. Sleep, I'm kind of like, okay, if those are the only two things he made, I would pretty much be calling him a master. So I think I'm there. I I don't, th- I'm not as huge a fan of, as some of his other things that other people are, but those two things in my eyes kind of make him worthy of that status. I think that's fair. I, you know, I don't think that Oculus is as good as those two. I don't think that his Ouija no. prequel is. I don't think that Hush is. No. Uh, I don't think that Absentia is. But I do think they're all strong. They're all good. Way. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's the thing is like he's not. I I don't think he's made bad movies by any means. I really like his movies. But to call someone a master and put them up next to freaking John Carpenter. And Wes Craven, I mean, that that's something that I would not want to do lightly. You know, like, that, that those guys are best of the best. Now, granted, they, they, all of their movies aren't all winners. You know, Wes Craven made Hills Have Eyes Part 2. So, like, there's shit out there that isn't perfect. So just because, you know, I watch Oculus and think, that movie was fine. That's That's kind of my takeaway from a lot of those other movies is like, it's fine. Like I enjoyed Oculus. It was, it was a good time. I don't think I'm going to watch it again. Um, you know, I, I hush, I think is, a, a, is better than Oculus. I, I liked it, but I, I think it's kind of fine. Like it's good. You know, Gerald's game. I like, I, I really hate the ending. I know that's not his fault, but I hate it. I hate that last like five minutes or whatever. It's, it's not his fault. Ah, well, he was being faithful to the book. So to, to me, I don't, I, I, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten all about Gerald's game. Gerald's game is uh, Gerald's game. Fuck out. Fucking out. Uh, gets a lot of credit and I'm like, man, I do. <laughs> no, I really, <laughs> I really, really dig that movie until honestly, like not even the last five minutes. I even love the courtroom scene. I think it's just really wonderful, cathartic moment for the lead character. The final shot is so badly staged 
And it's such a bad like idea and such a reduction of like that character's journey that sure. like you didn't yeah. you didn't need it. You could lock her well, walking up to that guy and facing him down, like this guy who represents like basically all the toxic males in her life. Like finally standing up to them and, you know, and not budging an inch and looking, you know, even looking up at him, looking down at him, you know, that that's all you need. You don't need a really shitty CG city backdrop with a sun in the background for her to walk away into, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and okay. So, uh, and, and again, this is more of an indictment of the story and maybe not as filmmaking as much, but for me... I really hate taking away the ambiguity of what makes the movie so scary. I hate that we like, I hate the whole thing about, Oh, it was a real dude. And he was coming in every night. I hate all of that. All of it's terrible. Like it, I think the movie should have ended with like her getting out. But, 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 but I, can, I don't I want, that? I don't want an answer. I don't want an explanation. I don't want her to go to court. Like all of that is it, superfluous to the uh, journey of the I don't character. think it is. I don't think it is just for me. And I get that a lot of people liked it. And I just, I, I hear what you're saying, like facing down that I I can get behind that. That's a different angle. Well, no, the whole thing is like, okay, it's, if she walked out of that house, not knowing if that guy was real or not, then that's always going to be a fear that she takes away with her. If we even did the kind of sort of uh, ambiguous thing, and said, like, okay, there were footsteps in the house. Or there were, like, uh, 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 footprints in the house. Like, that would be creepy. That would be one hell of a creepy note to leave that story off on. But that also means that she has to continue being afraid. I don't... You know? And I guess I don't... I guess I feel like in a, in a movie that's... There's tons of movies where it's left to the imagination and the characters we we still feel like the character surpassed the the creature or the thing they're afraid of because it's also I guess part of it too is just to be honest like my suspension of disbelief only goes so far and this was a movie that was like supposed to be pretty real in a lot of ways and a lot of shit was in her head I really didn't believe that there'd be this crazy guy coming in. I just thought that was so, that was a bridge too far in terms of believability. Like That's I just fair. didn't, That's I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, that is such a stupid thing. Like, <laughs> and that's, and that's like Stephen King's fault because Stephen King is not great at ending stories. Sometimes I love, Stephen, <laughs> King, but some of his endings kind of suck and that's okay, man. Like he's never going to listen to this. I love him and I love his stories, but sometimes those endings, and that was one of those endings where I'm like, that is dumb. Like, it's just dumb. Like, I, <laughs> I'd rather all of this shit be in her head because that's so much more interesting than it being a real threat. Like, I don't know. I mean, if it was a real threat that he could have killed her at any time, she didn't really defeat it. She just got lucky. Like, because he could have just killed her. But if it's in her head, she had to actually defeat it mentally. And that to me is more meaningful when you're talking about grief and pain and abuse, because people often have to overcome their own sort of hangups in that way to, to get beyond it. But anyway, this she is, just both. I know it's fine. I look, this is me. This is just my craziness. The, these are the problems I have with that movie. 
And then, yeah, I, I don't like the montage way that movie breaks up. I didn't, I feel like a kind of a dick because I turned a compliment into a backhanded, <laughs> wow, but this movie's dumb. I, that movie for 90% of Gerald's Game is a really good movie. Like, I just don't like the ending. And most of it's not Flanagan's fault, so. Um, how is it, how is it that we have talked less movies for a longer <laughs> amount of time? We are 50 have we done it? Did we in. surpass the 45 minute? What? Uh, yeah, we did. We did. We oh, talked, Jesus. okay, it was, we talked like 10 movies on Curse of the Wind <laughs> and got it in at 45 minutes. We talked three I, for this episode and we're damn near an hour. Break. Why do people even listen to us? We, 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 I don't know. I don't think anyone does. I think we should just break this off. Into its own spinoff podcast. (laughs) And then we now have two episodes we recorded tonight. Like this hour of uh, Flanagan talk. We'll say like, we did a podcast on Flanagan. And then we'll we'll do our hammer thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I was going to talk about Messiah of Evil as well. But people, people, we're going to have to save that one, I think. (laughs) I promise. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, No, I'd be all about talking. You you can fire me off the podcast now. That's. No, here's the, here's the thing, man. We we have this little tracker. Uh, the the guy who produces this podcast, it's called Blueberry, um, and there's a tracker. Like people are still listening. We have loads of listeners. It's awesome. But um, you know, it, the the shift from what the podcast is, or rather used to be, and will be again. You know, at various points. You know, and then this, we haven't lost anybody. So that's good. That's good. It's just uh, everybody is really quiet out there. So, gang, if you're listening to us, I know you. And here's the crazy thing, Paul. Loads of people in the U.S., but also people in the Netherlands, in the U.K., in Germany. (laughs) uh, There's like – there's like It's sad we lost that rant you did then when you were reading about the German 3D – uh, I know. I, know. <laughs> um, I brought it back a little bit for uh, I just guested on uh, Daniel Epler's Cobwebs podcast. Ooh, he and I talked, to uh, yeah, we talked to Amicus uh, Tales from the Crypt and the Dorm or eh, uh, the House that Dripped Blood. And uh, yeah, I got to I got to do a little German there. Uh, so that was fun. So uh, can't wait yeah. to hear it. <laughs> I just I gotta, I, can't... I gotta get him to let me guest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to t- tweet him. Be like, let yes. me on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. We are 52 minutes in exactly. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Fortunately, this is a relatively short movie. Maybe we can yeah. make up some time. So we won't, we won't do any after talk, guys. We'll we'll just cut it off. We promise. Oh, the hell we won't. Uh, so... <laughs> All right, gang. So, as with always, let's uh, let's go ahead and queue up our movies. We are watching this week, as you could probably tell from the title of this episode, Captain Clegg, aka Night Creatures. Paul, I am watching this on the old DVD box set, the Universal set. What are you watching it on? Uh, the Universal Blu-ray box set. See, I have that, but it's at my apartment, which is currently a thousand miles from where I am. So I got to DVD it tonight. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and hit pause on the very first frame. We'll do a countdown, and then everybody can begin with us. Are you ready, Paul? I am ready. Okay, let's press play, everyone. In five, four, three, two, one, play. Pressing play. And here we go, Universal International yet again. I love the look of that. I wish they would go back. Too. You know, I love when like a modern day movie does the old Universal logo. 
Yes. About, like whenever they do that, it's always the best. <laughs> I don't know if it was Universal that he did. Was it? It might have been Universal, but uh, Flanagan, when he did a Ouija Origin of Evil, uh, it opens. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Universal. I liked his Ouija Origins of Evil. It wasn't like the greatest movie ever, but it was fun. It was a good movie. It was a damn sight better than the movie it was a prequel to. I didn't watch the first one, actually. <laughs> I just skipped right Paul. to two. Paul, Paul, Paul. Oof. Yeah, I heard I heard it was so bad that I just didn't yeah, don't. mess with it. This yeah. is a fun little opening, this, this pirate opening. Mercy! Mercy! I love it. And plus, you know, they go... Uh, they don't go super gory, but no. they go maybe a step further than I expected here. You know, like you can tell that's that's a guy that's been fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's funny that um and I don't know how like far we want to get into this now, but like the story it's based on the the um Doctor Sin. Yes. The tale of Romney Marsh. Um, it's interesting to me that this whole production was marred by the fact that Disney owned the rights to it. <laughs> like, that's such an interest. Like, when I was reading about that, because I didn't know a lot about that. I mean, I, I've been a fan of this movie for a long, well, long time. I'm new to Hammer. But this was actually, I think, one of the first, because this set was the first Hammer thing I bought. And so I watched this set. And this was like the third, second or third movie on the set. So I saw this movie pretty early. I saw it right after Brides. Because remember when I, I was talking about Brides was one of the oh, first yeah, movies yeah, I yeah. saw? This was the next movie I saw after Brides. Um, and so I've been a fan of it for a couple of years. And I never knew that Disney like owned the rights to Dr. Sin and was going to make a movie out of it. And I guess they hadn't made the movie yet when this went into pre-production, right? Right. And uh, and I know that um, Cushing like desperately wanted to play Doctor Sin because he or yeah because he felt like it would be a good departure from the horror movie characters he was playing. Um, and I I found out that he he wrote well he wrote a script or he wrote like a, a treatment and he submitted it to hammer and then hammer told him about disney and then he sent he sent it to disney with a handwritten letter um re- like requesting very sincerely that they consider his script and that they cast him as sin <laughs> in their movie um and his letters online you can read it like i found his letter like an I've actual never read that. letter i i have it up if if you want me to read it please yeah hell yes yeah I mean, it seems appropriate for a commentary. Um, all right, here it is. It says, uh, 12th of August, 1961. Dear Sir, until quite recently, I was under the impression that I was to play Dr. Sin in a film of that title. But it has since been discovered that the rights of these books are owned by you. Prior to this discovery, I had written a very rough story outline to be used as a basis of a film script. I am no writer, as the enclosed will prove. But it seems such a waste of time and effort not to do something with it. So I am sending it to you in the hope that it may prove useful. And I do hope you will accept it in the spirit in which it is sent without any obligation whatsoever. When you eventually make a film of Dr. Sin, would you consider me for this part? 
I am enclosing a photographic record of the films I have made recently. With every kind wish and my thanks for the great pleasure your productions have given me over so many years, yours very sincerely, Peter Cushing. And there's a P.S. P.S. If Miss Byrne Kaplan is still working in your studios, perhaps you will be kind enough to give her my kindest wishes and remembrances. Thank you. I love Peter Cushing. How fucking adorable is that? <laughs> I mean, and I mean that in the most respectful way. Like, I can't, I can't even with this letter. It is so kind and unassuming and just everything you would hope he's like. And to send that to Disney, you know, to like one of the biggest studios and of course, you know, they 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 made their movie, which you recommended I try to watch, and unfortunately I wasn't able to uh to get to. Um so I apologize. I didn't do my homework. Damn it. Um but uh uh I just I found that really fascinating. That is amazing. So we are seeing the night creatures here, or as they were known in the books, the night riders, uh or the night devils, even. Um I love how they look. I don't think this movie is necessarily a home run when it comes to uh, its look. You know, I think sometimes it's, it's you know, quite striking, but other times it's a little rough hewn. It's a little unpolished. You know, you can tell they yeah. didn't have Terrence Fisher at the helm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but my goodness, do they look really striking and cool when they're riding around. I think it's great. Uh, I love Peter Cushing. I love that you read that letter. Um, I, I wish he had been cast in that version too. I wish that he had gotten to play Bliss here and Sin for Disney. Uh, I wish he had kind of monopolized that character. I think that would have been great. Uh, Patrick McGowan is really cool too, but um, I don't know, man. It's it's hard to uh, it's hard to top uh, Cushing. Well, yeah, and he he had such a passion for it, you know, which comes through in this film. His performance in this movie is one of my favorite performances of his, um, and I really think that it's a it it feels informed by the work he had previously done in the Frankenstein films, kind of, even though it's a very different character. I think he, so. Um, yeah, he is, he is, there's something very, and I know this is not the first time we've referenced this outside of the film version of the story. You know, we talked about it a little bit on curse of the werewolf as well. And I think it's kind of appropriate here, but there is a duality to him that is not oh, like yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. He is he is a he is a man of God and I think kind of a genuine one, but he's he's also a pirate. He is a father figure, but he's a little bit of a scoundrel. Um, you know, he is he's a man who takes care of his uh, his people, a man who takes care of his village. But how does he do so? He does he does so through kind of nefarious illegal means. You know, and uh, I, I love when he is able to flip that switch where, you know, you see him at the pulpit right now. He's animated, but he's also about as threatening as a crippled kitten. Um, but there mm-hmm. are other times in the movie when uh, he is full on like a, a man of action and kind of a threatening presence. And I I love that Cushing is able to not only flip that switch back and forth, but to also marry those two sides so that you always believe that it's the same man. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. And I think that, you know, and even that scene right there where he makes them sing the hymn again, 
is a great moment to show, like you said, he's not super threatening, but he's commanding. Um, and people listen to him. He's in charge. Um, and there's a level of respect that everyone has for what he requests. And he expects a level of excellence out of people. Well, it's just like um, the uh, the crew on a ship must have been, you know? Yeah, right. And And I think that when I think about, like, Comparing him to uh, Frankenstein, <clears throat> you know, here's a guy who has a horrific past where he did lots of bad things. And now he's taken on a new persona, which Frankenstein often does, um, and is in a new town and is trying to sort of better the town. Again, something that Frankenstein believes he's doing, even if it's not always the case. Um, in this movie, I think it's a little bit more truthful i think he actually is trying to help these people and give them a good life while carrying with him sort of his antics from the past you know like he's doing it deceitfully and illegally but his aims are more altruistic i think than somebody like a victor frankenstein Um, which is why i think he was attracted to the role you know it's funny you mentioned dr sin so this is I, <laughs> in doing a bit of research, there was the original novel by Russell Thorndike, which I think was called uh, Dr. Sin. Um, I think it was uh, The Scarecrow of Romney Marsh or A Tale of the Romney Marsh. Uh, there have been various titles for the books and then various titles for the various adaptations of those books. Right. Uh, I mean, I think the Disney movie has something like three different titles, depending on which version of it you see. Um you know, look at a shot like this with a boy, like, waving the flag. Like, is that beautifully photographed, or is that just a great location? You know, that's what I wrestle with with this movie a lot. It's like, you know, there are moments that are definitely striking, but it might just be down to the sets and the scenery and not necessarily due to the skill of, you know, the people directing or photographing. And I'm not, I'm not wanting to bash them by saying that it's badly made because it isn't. It's just when it comes to Hammer and some of the better hammer, which I think this is ultimately, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't quite have the style. It doesn't quite have the, it's not there with the aesthetic that Fisher's stuff was, which is maybe unfair because I think Terrence Fisher is a fucking genius, but, um, well, and this was a B picture. This was, this was a, you know, they would always do like a B and in this scenario, the A picture was phantom. It was phantom of the opera that it was paired with. So that was like the big, you know, highbrow production. And then this was going to be its double. So I think like, you can kind of tell that, like you said, the director, uh, it was, it was not one of their, a players at the time. Um, and it, it's less visually dynamic. I think, I think what makes this movie really great is it has a really compelling story. Um, it's really fun. It's really interesting. It kind of keeps you guessing. And the performances, I mean, it's it's really well acted. I mean, you've got Cushing, of course. You've got Yvonne Romaine again, and she's great. Um, and uh, you've got uh, Oliver Reed uh, in, in a fairly prominent role. So you have a pretty solid cast. Do you find and, it strange that just after The Curse of the Werewolf, you have Oliver Reed and Yvonne Romaine as lovers in this? I mean, it makes sense <laughs> based on the poster campaign for Curse of the Werewolf. They seem to be pretty close there. 
Um, but like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I actually think they have great chemistry together. Weirdly. Um, and of course, you know, I, I really like Yvonne Romaine. I think she's very emotive. I mean, obviously she's a beautiful woman, but like, she's also a very solid actress. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I'm actually impressed when I was watching this again, I was like, man, their romance subplot should feel really, I, I feel like it in a lot of, like with anyone else, it would have been kind of boring and, and sort of like, why are we watching this? You know, like what is, like, why aren't we watching the main plot of the film? Like this, this is sort of a waste of time, but because those actors are compelling and do a good job, like we care and we want to see what's happening with that. So I th- I think that's a really cool part of this movie is that there really isn't a subplot that's boring. Like everything you're watching, you're always kind of engaged. No, I agree. And I, uh, so going back to the, uh, the novel for a second. So this is loosely based on that, but there were five or six subsequent novels written by the same author that acted as prequels to the original story and all in chronological order. So basically you get the very end of the story in the first book and then every novel after that, it starts at the very beginning and then works through mm-hmm. this guy's story bit by bit by bit. Um, this story, I think, from doing a bit of reading, is actually kind of an amalgamation of two of the different novels. Uh, and, of course, it takes liberties with the story. But um, the <laughs> think about the Dr. Sin in the books is that he... You know, he, he's much the same as, as Cushing here, where at times he's kind of sympathetic and at times he's, he's a little bit of a bastard. Um, I mean, the, the main thing that drives him in the opening books, uh, his wife left him for another man. So mm-hmm. he decides to take revenge and take to the seas. And basically he finds out whatever their destination is going to be and he gets there before them to terrorize them. And basically, so he hounds these people, and then eventually he winds up getting caught up with pirates. Uh, He winds up overthrowing the captain of a ship and becoming its captain. Uh, He winds up getting bored with that lifestyle, so he blows up the ship with all of its crew, save for Mips, uh, who's a character in this story. And then uh, eventually the story winds up where it eventually does, you know, in in this sort of version of the story. so he he's an interesting cat, that guy. Like he's not he's not just a villain, he's not just a hero. It depends on when you catch him. He can be one or the other. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I really I really want to see the the uh Disney version. And what really kind of sucks is like I was researching it and um I mentioned earlier I'm you know big Blu-ray collector. I belong to the Disney movie club. <laughs> Uh, yes. Which is like the, uh, you know, you can get exclusives. And I looked and Scarecrow of Romney Marsh is available on Blu-ray through that as an exclusive. So even though you can't get it like regularly, it is a Blu-ray that you can get through that club. And I'm like, man, I wish I had known that because I would have bought it way long ago so I could watch it. So I'm going to order it. If uh, and, uh, if you were to out. order a second copy, I would happily <laughs> happily Dude, reimburse you. It's, just it's, throw that it's out yours. There. I will just it, it's my treat. I'll no, get you one. No, no, I'm gonna get two. Nope. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's crazy <laughs> that it's available on Blu-ray because for the longest yeah. time, 
the yeah, DVD I'll... was out of print and commanding something like 150 or 175 bucks. So yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where it's like you can only get it through them, and it's like a you know whatever. It, that's one of the reasons I joined was there's like a bunch of movies that like older, especially like older live action Disney films. There's a lot of them they've put on Blu-ray, but they only sell through this club and you can get them on like eBay and stuff, but they, you know, people hike up the prices and yeah. it's crazy. So, um, but no, I'll, yeah, I, I got you. I got you on that one, but um, I'm, I'm excited to check it out because I definitely would love to see a Disney version of this. <laughs> still, still spooky, but just in that kind of, and still, you know, kind of gritty in the way that some 60s Disney stuff could be, even if it yeah. was meant for kids, but sure. still kind of sanitized compared to the well, Hammer. You know? And there is some uh, live action Disney stuff that's pretty disturbing. Like, and this is made way later than that, but like, I always think about um, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh my God. That movie is like nightmare fodder for kids. And it is, I love it. I, I watch it every Halloween. But the, it's, the knuckles, man, the knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Just are the pages in the book when he's tearing out the pages. Oh man, I love. And he's like, like how 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 young he could be, and he's talking about like how he's decaying and so. Oh man, it's just it's great. I love it. <laughs> but um, no, Disney it had a streak of really interesting darker fare. I mean, Black Hole comes up a lot. That's another one of the Blu-ray <laughs> exclusives. Is you can get Black Hole on Blu-ray. Um, but, uh, but no, it's, 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 I'm very excited to see their take on this story. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. Um, I have to ask you as a viewer of this movie, what do you make of the punishment? Uh, obviously like cutting out somebody's tongue. You know, we, we, we know why that would be a punishment. And he was strung up and left without food or water or any potential savior. Of course, somebody did wind up saving him. Sure. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen in any story or have you ever heard an explanation uh, like somebody getting their ears slit in the way that he did? I mean, you're saying like, what would... Have I ever seen that before? Like, is that... Like a totally, I've I've never encountered. What, yeah, it just what the hell is it? What is going on there? Why did they do that? I mean, I think part of it is to show the ruthless, ruthless man. I've only had like a couple of beers. Ruthlessness <laughs> of the captain. Like they really wanted to land. How you know you do not cross him, and when he gets revenge, he's not going to just kill you. You know, like this is a this is somebody who's not just like cruel, but he's vindictive. And he to me, it's almost like he wants that guy to live. He he wants him to survive this. And not ever be able to tell anyone who did it, you know, like that. And that's kind of what happens is even though he's saved and he's with these guys, when he sees him, he freaks out and attacks him, but they all just think, Oh, well, the guy must've lost his mind. You know, they don't, they don't immediately know that it's captain Clegg, which by all accounts, that guy should be able to just say, Oh, that's him, you know, and reveal it. But because of the punishment, he can't communicate to them. And he's looked at as 
not really human. Like they, he's like a pet, you know, for those people. Um, and I think that's part of it as well. I mean, that's story wise. I think that's why that's there is it, it dehumanizes that character um, and, and adds a bit of thrill to, Oh, is that going to be how they catch him? Um, while at the same time speaking to the utter ruthlessness of Captain Clegg. Get it? I just didn't understand the ears part. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't have some, you know, they, profound they, answer as to why they do it. Did they deafen him? You know, uh, because you can tell the scars go beyond just fucking up his his ear canal. You know, like. It's just, it's a weird thing. I just think it's a visual, uh, visualization to make him like, you know, deaf and mute. Like it, it, it's an easy way for audiences to just see that he's deaf, that he can't hear, you know, um, without them having to announce it in the dialogue. But I mean, it's, it's incredibly harsh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this movie to me, you know, a lot of the movies we've talked about, we talk about like thematics and the deeper meanings behind things. One thing I appreciate about Captain Clegg is it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of a heist movie. You know, you're, you're seeing a whole town work together to pull off an impressive, not a heist, but a con, so it's, to speak. Uh, it's kind of like Clegg's Eleven. It's wow. Thank you. Yes. Soderbergh directed this movie. That's why there's so many split screens. Do you imagine a uh, Soderbergh remake? (laughs) Uh, You just pitched what might be the movie I'd be most excited to see (laughs) in my my life. is Steven Soderbergh remaking Captain Clegg. George Clooney. Dear Lord. Oh my God, he'd be good. (laughs) Oh, he could play both. He could play like that quiet man of God, you know, Dude, commanding a pulpit, but he could also play like, you know, he could and, set and, uh, the hell uh, out of a pirate. Adam Driver could be his right-hand man. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know, um, the, uh, oh shit, um, Channing Tatum could be like the the guy hunting him down. Uh, what's his name? Eh, you've gone too far, Paul. I think Ch- I I I am a bigger fan of Channing than I think a lot of people. Are. I think Channing's a good actor, and he, he, he showed is, it. And uh, he he's a good actor. He you is. know, people like to shit on Channing Tatum, but he's good. It's good. He, he, and it's and when he's in a Soderbergh he film, he's better when he's in a Soderbergh film. Too. That's fact. Every Soderbergh film he's been in, he's and better. and in any ten minutes, I guess, of a Tarantino movie, because holy shit, he was a different human being in uh, The Hateful Eight. Like he was incredible in that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. You know what? You know what sucks about the Hateful Eight is that you can't get the fucking Roadshow version on Blu-ray. That's a travesty. You can't, but you can see the four-hour version on Netflix. I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? I have not. I have not uh, because there is. <sighs> Look, there is no <laughs> such thing as a bad Tarantino movie to me. There isn't. But if I were forced. Like- if I were forced to rank Tarantino movies, I will admit, as much as I love The Hateful Eight, it's going to fall a little lower, you know, down on the list for me. I, I dig it. I love it. I, it was one of the best like movies it. that I saw that year. Yeah, I But the prospect 
of them taking that movie, which that is the only Tarantino movie that I've seen where I shuffled in my seat a couple of times. Did you see the roadshow version? I did not. Um, I, that's the one I, I, I saw it. I saw the roadshow version and I liked it more because I watched it again when it came on Blu-ray and I was like, Oh, I don't like this as much as the roadshow. And the roadshow is like longer. It's like a pretty decent, it's, it's one of those situations where I feel like the length helps it helps the pacing. But I, I, I don't know how close that adheres to four hours seems like a lot. Uh, you know, when I heard they put it on Netflix, like, cause that's not the road the, show version the, either. The, it's like a third version. The idea of tacking another hour onto that to me is what has basically halted me in my tracks. And dude, the, you, he could honestly do that with any other one of his movies. Like, Hey, guess what? We're doing a four hour version of death proof or we're doing an extended version <laughs> of, you know, Jackie. Oh Brown my God. I would totally I would... watch a longer version of death proof. Holy shit. I'd, I'd, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Right. But <laughs> with the hateful eight, the hateful eight, I was just kind of like, do we need another hour at that point? You know, but that said, apparently, um, the rumor is is that he is cutting uh, a longer version much in the same way, like in installments. He's going to cut a longer version of a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Paul, Paul, I got to tell you, that, that I will, doesn't surprise me. I will watch that, that on movie. night one, sir. Yeah, and I've you, you know, and I've heard everyone talking like, oh, I've watched Once Upon a Time, you know, six times or however many times. I watched it once. I saw it one time. Really loved it, but like, I'm just not a. I'm not a guy who watches movies over and over. I mean, like I buy them and I will watch it again, but like, I don't know. I just, I need, I like to watch a movie and wait a while and then watch it again. You know, I don't know. I, 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 but I have not revisited it since I first saw it and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, But I'm also not as like over the moon for it. I think as some people are. I was not when I first caught it. I watched it opening night. It was like the Thursday premiere screening. Um, and I watched it and I really, really liked it. But I walked out trying to so compare it to his other movies. I was like, yeah. is this really a Pulp Fiction? Is this a Jackie Brown? Is this even a Kill Bill, really? It was really good. It's just not, you know, it felt like the least Tarantino, Tarantino movie I'd ever seen. And that kind of bummed me out. Sure. But I got out of work Friday night, didn't have anything else to do. And I was like, what the hell? It's a Tarantino movie. I know I'm going to see it again anyway on the big screen. Let me go and check it out again. That second time was so much better. Once I knew what it was and once my expectations were in place, I was able to just sit back and realize I was like, this is a hangout movie. And this is like revisiting friends that I I, I really want to hang out with. I saw that movie probably four or five times in the theater before it left. Damn. Paul, I, I, That's Paul, crazy. Paul, holy shit. <laughs> Not crazy in like have, a criticism. I no, it, it might crazy. be crazy. It might be crazy. <laughs> no, no. A I'm lot not, of people did that. And I have I, seen it I, on Blu-ray. I love that. Yeah. Probably. I've revisited that movie on Blu-ray. <laughs> Don't laugh, please. I won't. Uh, I mean, quarantine had to have played a part, but uh, probably another 10, 11 times. No bullshit. Wow. That's like, impressive. I, I don't think much, I've seen any movie this year 11 times. <laughs> as much as I love Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs, like everything that he's done, 
Um, at a certain point, no matter how many times I watch it, there is a cap to my appreciation. Um, you know, I, I, I love it this much, you know, yeah. and then that's what right. that is. With Once Upon a Time, I'm not making this up. I like it a little more every single time I watch it. So that every time I watch it, it's the best version of that movie I've seen. Huh. Interesting. I, uh, well, I bought the fancy edition of it with the record. Oh, fuck you, man. Because I'm it a was... fucking, like, weird-ass motherfucker. Who... I envy you. Even movies I only like, I have to get the best version of. <laughs> God, I wanted that so bad, but I didn't think it was going to be this limited thing. I thought I could just pop in. I No bullshit. I thought I could just pop into my local Best Buy Tuesday morning when it came out and buy the thing off of the shelf. And literally when I got there, it was like, they had just opened it had the place hadn't been open that long and they had the place setting for it and they had already sold out. And then yeah, literally word crazy. came like two or three days later, like uh, the stock is completely sold out. And then they started popping up on eBay for like 175 bucks a pop. I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. I, I, I got lucky because um, I bought it. I bought that version without even having seen the film. I, I was just like, I, that's how, pathetic i am when it comes to collecting i just knew i'd want it like i was like even if i'm only lukewarm in this movie i'm gonna be annoyed if i don't have that version so i i just you know I hear the you. minute it became available <laughs> i just picked it up and uh yeah i i, I really like the movie i'm excited to watch it again i think i'll like it more the second time love the ending i love the twist on um you know what what it's based on i i, I think it's a blast and it was surprising and and upsetting and scary like the whole finale is like really nerve-wracking because you really don't know i i think it's one of his best climaxes because you just the first time you watch it you don't know what's going to happen like anything could happen and that's i think what he's so good at is completely sort of fucking with your expectations of what he's going to do um but I will say the uh, scene on the ranch too is maybe that 10 minutes is one of the best horror movies I've seen, you know, yeah. in the last well, year. So even though nothing so, horrific it, happens, it has horror, but it also has like these deeply powerful emotional moments. Like when the little girl tells him that that's the best acting she's ever seen. Yeah. You know, well, like that it's... is one of the most emotional, powerful things I saw in a movie that year. Because she wasn't and bullshitting him, like you know, you, right? It was the director and, came up to him and blew smoke for a minute or whatever, like, yeah. oh, that was so great. When and a dinner Bronco Buster, where did that come from? And yeah. and he was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. But when that little girl came up after everything they've been through, the introduction and the fact that she is, well, you know, like zero that, bullshit. Yeah, and he knows that she gives a shit still. Like the industry hasn't beaten her down yet. That that's what I think is interesting about her character is that he looks at her and he sees someone who's got her whole life ahead of her and doesn't yet understand how shitty the industry she's about to enter into is like, she still sees it as this cool, exciting thing, you know, and which also like, why should she be discouraged? You know, I think that's, that's a, that's a, a, a positive character attribute is that he doesn't discourage her from feeling that way. But at the same time, he's annoyed that she does. Cause he's jealous. 
Yeah. Um, and, oh, there's, and yet, that, there's that scene where he fucks up his lines and he is in his trailer throwing things around. And one of the things that he says when he's looking in the mirror, he's like, Dalton, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're going to show that fucking Jim Stacy. You're going to show that fucking little girl. You know, <laughs> you like, show he, fucking he has girl. to throw her into it too. Like he has something. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, I, and here's a testament to that film, Jinx. I've only seen it once and I can like quote it. Like I, I remember these scenes as if I've seen it ten times. He and, honestly, it's incredibly relatable to me that scene when he's like trashing his trailer. I've just been like, yeah, not in a violent way, but I think we've all had those moments where you just you get a quiet moment alone and you're just like, why the fuck did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did that have to happen that way? I, I imagine Jinx. There's a lot of times where you just look in the mirror and you're like, you're fucking Jinx. You're Jinx. Get out there. Get out there and do it. No, you know what? I'm okay, sure so true. the funny the funny thing about that is uh, there is a uh, – so I've never wanted to be an actor at all. But I've written – since I was 18, uh, I wrote a school play that I was supposed to do for art class where I wrote myself into it is this one guy. And that guy has recurred in most everything that I've written throughout the years. And I was like, okay, I don't want to be an actor, but I want to play that guy more than anything. And there was, I worked, I kid you not, I worked a small stint as a, oh, fuck, I should not admit this. <clears throat> when I needed to make ends meet back in the early aughts, I was working as a movie theater manager, but I took a second job as public safety at the mall right across the street. I was a fucking mall cop, Paul. Really? And yeah, yeah. And so can was, I ask you a really serious question? Please. How accurate is Paul Blart? Shockingly accurate. <laughs> okay, so here's here's okay, so I'll I'll I I oh this is gonna go this is gonna take me a minute. Okay. I'm gonna wind through some paths here, people. Well, uh, so I just want to remind listeners that this is a commentary <laughs> for Captain Clegg. Uh, I know it may not seem like it, but it is. So you are not listening to the wrong podcast. Continue with your story, please. You know, I'm gonna. I will. Before I'm done here, I'm going to bring this all back to play. You watch ready? ready? Watch this shit. That will be very impressive. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I I took a job uh, because I knew a guy uh, from my theater days when I was working in a theater who worked there. I was like, I needed a second job, so I basically started burning the candle at both ends. I was working two forty-hour jobs a week: one at a movie theater as a manager, one as a fucking mall cop, and I hated it. Hated that job. Uh, Paul Blart is actually, believe it or not, I know I know you were kind of joking when you asked that question. No, that's pretty much fucking it. I, I worked with a dude who took the job that fucking seriously. And it was kind of like he was a good dude, but it was also kind of cartoonish at times. Yeah. Um, and I don't now, I don't want to like rip on people. Like everyone's like, job yeah, is their can. own job. And like I'm not uh, trying to be a dick. I just I just you know, no, I had to do a Paul Blart joke. That's all it really close. is. <laughs> it's close. It's close. I'm not gonna lie. But here's the fucking crazy thing. So one of the guys who was a manager at the movie theater with me across the street, he had to do this college project where he uh, he decided to shoot a short film to basically – he was uh, he was pre-law and he was trying to make some various points. About him. He decided he wanted to do a short film essentially about a mall cop, right? And he asked me 
like if I could help. And I was like, sure. So he went off and wrote a short film script. I wrote a short film script and then we compared notes and we kind of combined them. So he had all the notes that he needed to, to satisfy his college project. I just wanted to make the damn thing funny. Uh, and then, yeah, so we, uh, we got this thing together. Uh, I, <laughs> I basically took one of the hats from work, which was these, uh, these big, like 10 pinning nail fucking hats. It was the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, and but other than that, the costume, the getup, the uniform was Paul Blart's uniform. That's exactly what it fucking looked really? like. Really? Awesome. I'm not almost to a fucking T. Uh, <laughs> now here's the thing. We shot the thing and we got a buddy of ours who is now working in Hollywood. He's created like two TV shows uh, and has written for like fucking Guillermo del Toro's The Strain. Uh, He's written for – he created an ABC show and an NBC show. But back in fucking 2004, he played essentially the Paul Blart equivalent with a big fake mustache, my hat and jacket. And we drove around from like I think it was three or four local malls. And he, even though, like, you know, the, the dude wrote his own script and I wrote my own script and we combined them, this guy was fucking brilliant. He basically ad-libbed a bunch of stuff, which basically became what the short film was. And we cut all of it together. And it's still, oh, God, I can't rem- Was it Bora? Um, yes, uh, Public Safety Officer Bora was his name. Uh, a buddy of ours helped edit it together and it was fucking hilarious. And then three or four years later, Paul Bart comes out hmm. and it was, I'm not bullshitting you. The same fucking setup, the same fucking character, almost to a T, you know, because he was asking me stuff. I was telling him stuff about this guy that I worked with. And then, so he took that and then looked at the scripts and then he started improvising and then he just heightened all of that. And then I swear to God, I don't know that that short film ever got out anywhere, but I remember actually going on IMDb when Paul Blart came out back when the message boards were actually still going. And there was a dude who was like, I was in college in West Virginia at the time, and I'm pretty sure a classmate made a movie that was this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, but what's you crazy could have been is making that Paul Blart money, the same dude uh. that we roughly based the character on hated that movie and hated that it came out. And it wasn't just that. It was two mall cop movies back to back. I don't know if you remember, but Paul Blart came out and then fucking uh, Observe and Report with Seth Rogen came out. So it was like, I forgot about Observe and Report. I never saw that one. It was, I hated it when I first saw it. And then I watched it again, not long after that, Uh, at the same guy, the same actor's uh, request. Actually, we watched it after hours and I was like, Okay, I love Cushing's laugh there. Uh, but he was like, uh, "Yeah, maybe we should talk about okay, this." So movie. I, okay, so I'm gonna, bring it back. I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna bring it back. No, so, I love this story. This is a great story. And listeners, at this point, like, if they don't know that we're not going to talk about the movie, then why are they even here? Okay, so I'm I'm gonna bring it back around. Uh, shit, I forgot part of the glue. Uh, okay, so there was that, and we made that, and then that was uh, that was Paul Bart. So I took that second job when I was working in the movie theater. Um, how did I get there? Fuck. Uh, we were talking about once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, we were talking about the little girl. We were talking about shit. How the fuck did we start talking about Paul Blart? <laughs> how, did, how did 
I talk? You said you took a job as a mall cop. I did, but how did I get there? Holy shit. I don't know. Oh, my God. This is going to haunt me all episode. Anyway. Well, that's fine. Uh, You know what? In true... And also, there's been multiple hammer pubs. Like, we didn't really call them out. Hey, I have a question about the dude who's, you know, had his tongue cut out and his ears cut up. They mentioned that the little boy asked what happened to him and why. And they say he attacked Captain Clegg's wife. Yes. Do you think that means that there's a chance that Yvonne Romaine is his illegitimate daughter? So, yeah, well, that's kind of a plot point. Is it not? Oh, you mean the, oh, um, no, no. I think there is a, no, I thought you were talking about Bliss for a second. I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's his daughter too. No, you're talking about, um, yeah. I'm talking about the guy who got all like, no, yeah, 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 no, um, I, there is language at the very beginning of the movie that makes it sound as though his attempted attack was just that. It was an attempt, but it wasn't necessarily. I was just wondering, like, if the extremity of the punishment might maybe match that attack, you know, in a way. But is she is she meant to be like 16 in this, do you think? No, you're probably right. Is that yeah, you're right, because they establish how many years have passed. I it, it it's more just a thought that occurred to me when I was watching it rather than an actual belief in what's going on. <laughs> but I do like you know, we, we we've kind of while we were talking, a lot of the the conning has been happening with the how elaborate they've set up their town to support the bootlegging they're doing and kind of going around the, the, the taxes and whatnot. And I think it's cool to see the entire town in on it and how elaborate they've set everything up. This is one hell of a death scene here. And what blows my mind it's not the knife in the chest. It's the removal of the knife that really sells this. Look at that. Like, that's that's an impressive moment, like, how they pulled that off. Um, and I don't, you know, I I would love to know how they pulled it off because that didn't look like a retractable blade, but it also doesn't look like they built up a fake chest or anything. So, yeah. Okay, is that the same set from uh, Brides of Dracula? I'm sure it is. Because it really, really looks like it. But again, like you have this character who can't talk and can't necessarily communicate, who really constantly knows the truth of things. That's that's a pretty shot. It is. It's really evocative. It's really, you know, yeah. it's... That's one of the better sort of looking shots on the film i mean because you're right like there's there's less visually going on it feels like in this movie than some of the other ones well you can tell he's trying it's just like hey let's put the carriages up on the hill and shoot them in silhouette you know that's but it's just not quite polished enough it's not quite as beautifully staged as uh you know it's just it's a little very it, it feels like 
I hate to say it, it feels kind of like a TV movie at times. One thing I was initially wondering about was like the night creatures thing, like and what night creatures is. Um, because there's obviously the phantoms. Like, are those the night creatures, or are is the title referring to the people themselves? Obviously, it's not the actual like hammer title of the film, Captain Clegg. But then, um, I read up. I I was reading up on why they called it night creatures. Uh, and and have you ever heard the story of like why it was called night creatures in the U.S. Like where that came from? No, no, no. So, Hammer originally was going to do a uh, an I Am Legend adaptation. For, really? Yeah, for Universal. Holy shit! Wow. And it and they like patented it and sold it to Universal as Night Creatures. <laughs> That's what they were going to call it. They weren't going to call it I Am Legend. They were going to call it Night Creatures, which makes yeah. sense. And I am legend, right? Um, and what happened was the script they developed uh, when they showed it to the BBFC, the BBFC said, well, we're not going to pass this. The script will never pass. There's no adjustments you could make. You cannot make the script. And Hammer was like, well, shit, we already sold Night Creatures to Universal. So they just repackaged this movie as night creatures and gave it to universal as the thing they previously sold. That's why it's called night creatures. <laughs> and nobody at universal was like, now wait a second. Yep. And that's that. And, and, and so when I was like, Oh, who are the night creatures? I'm like, well, it really doesn't matter because that wasn't at all like intended to be the title. It was just what they had already sold. So it, that feels like a very Roger Corman thing for me. Oh my god, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> that's great. I didn't find it weird that there was even an issue with Disney, considering that Captain Clegg is the name of the pirate in the source material. And, you know, so if they were going to be able to call... If they were planning on calling the movie Captain Clegg... And just keeping it that, then why not go ahead and allow them to call the character Dr. Sin if that's not going to be in your marketing or, you know, I, I, I just don't understand why they couldn't go ahead and call him Sin as well. Like, that's just weird. Yeah. Uh, I do find it strange, though, that you have this, um, you know, man of God character and, you know, at turns, you know, one one version of him is called Bliss and one is called Sin, uh, both with Ys, you know, so that's, I don't know. I don't think that necessarily informs either version of the character more than the other, but it's just, it's kind of weird. It's a little on the nose. <laughs> a bit, a tad, you know. But, you know, I I think it's interesting that it was paired with Phantom, and that um, one thing I was reading about was that Universal, like, had no idea how to market these movies. Um, both Phantom and this film. And so their angle was they sort of re-edited a lot of the plot and the visuals to make them more, like, family-friendly. And they marketed the double feature as, like, family entertainment. (laughs) Like, 
And I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, Captain Clegg. And, and Captain Clegg, a lot of, like, Cushing himself didn't consider it like a horror film. He saw it more as like an action film. Um, I love the Scarecrow stuff, by the way. That's, I think that's one of the coolest little plot points. And I think it's really creepy. No, I do too. I The eyes, you know, the blacked out eyes behind the mask. Yeah. And when they, like, the shot of just, like, the hand motioning and how elaborately they sort of set up their society to be able to account for people on their way. You know, it... It definitely speaks to a different time, though. You know, like when you watch it through today's lens, you're like, okay, everyone's got cell phones. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see a modern day Captain Clegg. Like, how would you make this work in 2020? Uh, Well, he would have to solve the problem. Like, what kind of pirate would he be? Uh... (laughs) That's problem one. All right, James, pitch a modernization of this film. Go. No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I don't know. I um, Man, I'm still trying to figure out how I got to the mall cop thing. Uh, I know we were talking about... We were were talking about Soderbergh. We were talking about um, casting. We were talking about uh, Channing Tatum. And then somehow I got the mall cop. Our commentaries have got to be the least commentary commentaries <laughs> of any commentary that has ever commentaried. Well, people, people I've are listened, sticking with this, so you know, I guess I, I guess I, we're entertaining <laughs> enough. I look at it as an opportunity to talk movies with a starting point of the film we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know what? I am the alcohol is wearing off. I haven't had a drink in about thirty minutes. Let's oh, wow. drill. Let's I'm yeah. Impressed. Let's drill I've been, down. I've been. On the other hand, I've been drinking consistently this entire time. <laughs> and let me tell you, Jigs, I'm starting to feel it. I'm four four beers deep. So holy that's shit! Where I'm okay. at. I need to. Uh, so wow, four beers. Does that even do anything? You know what? Um, <laughs> you, you, can, you can throw all the shade you want to throw, but uh, yeah, it's it's doing something. <laughs> you'll you'll hear it when you listen back. The 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 slur in my voice gets a little more pronounced as we go. Um. Okay. So let's drill down. We got 32 minutes left of this film. Let's give our audiences a commentary for Night Creatures. Okay. I'm in. All right. Okay, so we know this was based on a six or seven novel series by Russell Thorndike. Character's name was Dr. Sin. He's been adapted for film three times before. There was a movie in, I want to say the early 30s. There was this, and then there was the Disney Dr. Sin. And then really, nobody's ever touched the, the character since, which kind of surprises me. I, I almost imagine one day we're going to get a uh, Netflix miniseries version. You know, there's definitely enough material to play with there. But... As it is, we're focusing on this particular version, which I think is... I haven't seen the 30s version, but I'm going to go ahead and call it this is the superior version between this and the Disney film. So I think a lot of that is down to Cushing's performance, as we talked about it. Uh, oh, and he's he's not been found out there, because he, in fact, was not the guy who was shot. Yeah, I, I like that moment quite a bit. And and this movie has a lot of like close it's again why I kind of liken it to a heist or con movie 
is it has a lot of those fake outs that is more geared towards making the audience kind of sweat than it is actual like narrative progression. Now, do you think that's earned? Like how much do you care about these characters right now? So that's a really good point. Um, Here's what I'll say. And I think this is true. And I don't mean this as like a negative thing. I think this is true of a lot of hammer films. They trade more in your affinity for the actors than they do in your affinity for the characters. Yeah. And so because it's Peter Cushing and because he's giving it his all, I give a shit about him (laughs) and I don't want him to be caught. I don't know that he's earned that from a narrative perspective, (laughs) but it's how I feel, you know, and it's probably the same way I'd feel if Lee was in the role. Wow. Could you, I, I wonder if Lee could pull it off. He could pull off Captain Clegg. I think Lee Lee could a hundred percent be Clegg. But could he he pull off the scarecrow and not be immediately noticeable? Like, holy shit. Look at that six, five scarecrow standing over there. (laughs) Probably not. <laughs> I think it's really fascinating. One thing I respect about this film is it's cold open is actually like integral to everything that happens in the film. You know, a lot of cold opens are sort of one-offs in movies like this. I like that the cold open introduces a character that for all intents and purposes should be just another skeleton that Clegg leaves behind, but instead becomes his reckoning. In a lot of ways, I could see that definitely. And well, and, and, that the, yeah, the sped up attack there is a little dodgy, but yeah, again, the direction is noticeably poorer than what you normally get with the Terrence Fisher film. It is great that they allow Cushing to be such a man of action, though, in this scene. Mm-hmm. Like he is, look at him, spry little fucker. Like he is leaping around like a madman. Well, he's, he's fighting off this guy who, by all accounts, should just. Kick the shit out of him. This guy's big. <laughs> this guy's angry. He's got weapons. Look at that fucking move. I feel like I'm watching WWE. <laughs> okay, this stunt is pretty fantastic here in a moment. Ready and oh. this is this is the part of the show where we talk about how great real fire looks on camera. Real fire looks fun. look at that stunt, man. Okay, what is up with the page boy haircut though? Like that is I Yeah. I appreciate... <laughs> yeah. I could do without the haircut. Hey, are your this is a weird question. Are your subtitles just like at the bottom of the screen? Yes. <laughs> All right, mine hop around. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a weird universal thing where at a certain point they decided to almost assign the subtitles to the characters who are speaking. So as a result, yeah, they kind of leap around. It's weird as hell, man. It, like I, I'm watching it and I'm like, I can't tell. Sometimes it works because it feels like word bubbles. <laughs> but but for the most part, it's just distracting. Yeah. I that guy has like the most shit-eating grin. <laughs> I just want to punch that guy in the face. I think that's the other reason... But at the I, same time, like there is, 
there's a version of this story that you could tell where he is the hero. There is, but because they casted the most smug bastard ass <laughs> in the world, you just immediately side with, with Cushing. So I think that's another reason. Do you also find it interesting that this movie makes no attempt, in my opinion, to hide that Clegg is bliss? Like, yeah, like none ever. whatsoever. None. Like, like, they, like they you would think, have... I see a version of this film where that's a twist. Well, you would need you would need somebody else. You would need a stronger figure in that town as a red herring. But you don't. You have Peter fucking Cushing, you know? So as soon as he shows right. up on screen, it's, you know, it's in the first 10 clear. minutes of the movie. It's yeah. very clear. So why not in that opening scene, yeah. just instead of shooting him from behind, you know, signing the order to have the guy, you know, uh, detongued, as it were, yeah. um, you know, just show Cushing. Because just he, show him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that would have been a more interesting angle since they don't hide it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I uh because as it is, it's kinda like neither fish nor fowl, you know, it's like you don't get the pleasure of the big reveal. Right. You know. Uh yeah. but neither There's... still, you know, is it like it, it, the whole movie you're just kinda like, are they do do they not want us to think that's who he is, you know? That's like... that's what's so odd about it, is the way the movie's written and the way the narrative plays out is it feels like it's supposed to be a surprise. I, I that's I can't quite tell what their intentions were. Yvonne Romain really <laughs> is beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah, she. Is. I I don't want to be lecherous, but um, no, yeah, good I lord, I get it. Yeah, I mean, and this scene is that's a disturbing shot if there ever was one. Him walking in with that look on his face, yeah creepy prick I like seeing her in a role that allows her to do a bit more you know like then in uh, Curse of the Werewolf where she's kind of confined to a pretty small role yeah it's funny that she never quite became like you know their, their, their leading starlet you know, like, yes, that is weird. She, she's certainly beautiful enough to have carried off the, uh, the sort of hammer glamour, you know, as it were that the, uh, the studio was known for, uh, later on, but you know, she was never quite a Carolyn Monroe. She was never even, you know, a Veronica Carlson really, even though they, they acted in just about the same amount of movies. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'd be very curious to see what the, the reasoning was there, why she wasn't brought back. Was that her own choice? You know, was it theirs? I, I don't know. But she is quite good in the films, too. You're, you're right. She's a great actor, but, you know. I'm it's guessing just a shame she never made she, another... And I, I want to I say I saw an interview with her where she talks about it, but I'm pretty sure she just retired from acting. In really? the early 70s. Yeah. I think she I think she acted up until a point and then I think she just kind of stopped. I mean I'd have to look it up, but I'm I don't think she did many things after this. You know, she was active from what, like early 50s to 
early 70s. So, I mean, it's a good amount of time. But it, it is a shame that Hammer... I, I really think she could have been one of Hammer's, like, big people. She, she could she, have been, like, she could have been Ingrid Pitt, you know? Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways... I mean, I like Ingrid Pitt quite a bit, but I think she's her equal, personally. I mean, I would go that far. And I think she's, I mean, looks-wise, you know, and again, yeah, I don't want to sound lecherous either. Um, she She's right there. But performance-wise and skill, she's just as good. Like, she could have been, and I, I got to believe it was a personal preference, especially given that she stopped acting when she was still in her prime. Yeah. Which is a shame, because, I mean, she totally, like, not only could she have led a lot of those later movies, but, you know, she could have gotten poached by Amicus. You know, she could have appeared in Tiger right. Productions. Like, she, you know, she could have been, you know, I don't consider the term, like, a diminutive all, but totally a scream queen, you know? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, that that's... That she would have been, movie. she would have worked really well in, like, Mario Bava Giallos. Oh, my like, God. She would have fit right in. Yeah, like, I could totally, totally like, see her as a character in Blood and Black Lace, you know, like Barbara yeah. Steele not available. Get me Yvonne Romaine. You know? Exactly, exactly, exactly. But Barbara Steele is amazing, though. <laughs> yeah, or you know, even like a Dahlia Lavi. You know, she yeah. totally could have. You know, um, um, oh damn, the Whip in the Body. Like she totally could have oh, nailed that whip role. Body so good. Agreed. Christopher Lee. But yeah, so so it is a shame. But she is great in this. Uh, playing a character who, again, you know, just based on a quick reading of the summaries of these various novels, um, basically the person who kicks the entire series off chronologically uh, is um, Clegg's, well, uh, Sin's wife, uh, who leaves him. And her name is Imogen. Uh, he eventually names a ship that he overtakes later on as a pirate, uh, Imogene. And then eventually, uh, his wife, you know, they, they they're sort of reunited. She dies. It's left to, uh, his, his rival, you know, the, the, the man that she had been with and sin basically one final battle and sin bests him, you know, but he makes him a deal. He was like, look, I want to, and this is basically prequel material for uh, this movie, you know, this, the, the sort of ground that this movie covers, but Sin basically wants to start a life in this town. He thinks that he can do right by these people, but he can't if people are still looking for Captain Clegg. So he strikes a deal with a man who has been his rival all of these years and tells him, look, I will take care of your young daughter as though she is mine and she'll want for nothing but you have to basically admit to being Captain Clegg. And so the guy takes the deal and is hanged for it. So he is hanged in the real Clegg's place. And so even though it's not actually his daughter, he raises this young girl with her mother's name, Imogen. Um, and then that's that's basically the backstory. Now, of course, this movie simplifies all of that. But uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of fascinating. Again, I think it would make for a great long-form kind of story like uh, – a few seasons of a Netflix show or something like that. If they were to adapt all of the books. Yeah. I would, I would love to see that. That would be, that'd be awesome. (laughs) 
I, I think that especially with like a pole dark kind of uh, kind of budget, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I almost like the idea of doing it like non-linearly, like hopping around a little bit since it's a big sweeping story. Yeah, yeah. Get an actor who can play younger and older, uh, and yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. So, do you want to set up a meeting with Netflix or I? I will get them on the phone. <laughs> I have to figure out how first, but I'll I'll work on it. Uh, who would? You, but here's the thing: like in my mind, like I I wrote a Hammer screenplay once. Like I I wrote it as a love letter, but I also wrote it as like a uh, okay. In my mind, I'm writing a sequel. Now it's not a sequel where you needed to have watched any of the previous movies to understand it. You can come in cold. But also, if you've seen those previous movies, this is like a next installment, right? So right. in my head, I'm trying to cast all of these roles like, okay, Peter Cushing isn't around anymore. Who the hell would I cast? Yeah. And uh, the closest person I could come up with was um, um, uh, Fassbender. Like, I think Michael Fassbender yeah. has yeah. a Cushing he- quality. So if I were to do like a Dr. Sin or a Night Creatures Redux, like, I would totally cast Fassbender as, uh, as in the Peter Cushing role. That would be amazing. Yeah, I think that's a great call. And he definitely has that that du- duality to him. I mean, just look at his work and, you know, whether you hate these movies or not, in uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Oh, it's brilliant. Right. Like, I, that's the thing, is you can watch those movies and, like, there's... It feels like there's two very different schools of thought on Ridley Scott's, like, new Alien Unfinished trilogy. Sometimes I think, between the films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> yeah because i i love one of them and one of them i think is just uh is uh is just a big pile of poo can i can i say that i i really like them both i like them both i'm a fan of both but uh i believe that i i agree that there's a huge disparity between them and that's my biggest issue but i still like them both but i'm also pretty easy to please when it comes <sighs> Were you not, were you not, (laughs) I've talked about Alien Covenant on this podcast before, mostly Matt Feeney and I battling it out over it, but. It's a good movie, don't shit on it. It's it's not and I have. Um, (laughs) Oh, I'm finally in favor of something. I feel like I'm always the one who says like, (laughs) a good thing is bad. This this feels good, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable here. Go ahead. After, after setting up Elizabeth Shaw in the previous movie and what her journey would be and setting us up for the idea that the series, the, the films would carry on with her because her journey is not yet done. Did you not find it to be a slap in the face that she was killed off screen and her body was violated in such a crass fucking way? Um, I'll say this. I think that alien the the biggest problem I've always had with Alien Covenant is that it feels like a react. It feels like oh god, I'm a, you know what? I'm gonna tie it back to the prequels. It feels like a Star Wars Episode Two, where it's like oh, people didn't like that first one. Let me go ahead and make something that I think you want. That's how I feel like Star Wars Episode One and Star Wars Episode Two is is like it's like George Lucas going, "Oh, people hated Phantom Menace. Okay, well, I'll make like a Star Wars movie 
which again, I'm not defending episode two. I just feel like there's a huge disparity between those two films and there's no connective tissue. I feel like that kind of happened with Prometheus and Covenant where he got rid of a lot of the shit that people weren't responding to and gave them more of an alien movie. But then he still had to give us what Prometheus was ultimately getting at. Um, And that's where you get the weird David shit where he's playing a flute, which is the shit I just eat up. I love that stuff. Um, All the David stuff. That's kind of why I like those movies is I'm just such a fan of the David character. And all the weird shit he's doing. Oh, he's, he's, he's fucking fantastic. But that, that's um, the thing. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. I don't, I can forgive everything else because I like that stuff. And I also like how ballsy it is. But why then the do we horror... need, why do we need, why do we need a, a, a riff on alien again? I'm not talking about bringing the aliens. We into don't, it. If you want, we to, don't if you want to bring it. the aliens into it, bring I, the aliens into it. I agree. I a hundred percent. Even if you want to CG them and having the the xenomorph hop around like a a monkey on crack. I am, I'm with you. I hate all of that stuff, but I like the movie. I can forgive it. I'm saying aside from that, I'm saying, okay, forgetting that, if you want to bring that stuff in, fine. What I'm saying is why do we also need to follow around easily the blandest crew that the entire franchise cool. has it's ever cool. had. I love them. I, I <laughs> we I, haven't I once talked about the actual Phantoms. Look at, I feel like look at them writing in. I'm this sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But... This Oreo, like this is this is like you know which came first, this or Tombs of the Blind Dead? Oh, uh, this right. Probably, yeah. I love the 62, idea. Like, so Tombs of the Blind Dead was... 70s, right? 70s, I think. I mean, that, in some way it had... I understand, like, Templars coming back and, you know, they kind of look like zombies and everything, but the idea of skeleton figures on horseback, you know, or, you know... Yeah, sort of, like, there, it, there's some great, like, ghostly shots of them that we kind of missed, but... I like the reveal that it's the townspeople. It ties perfectly into everything the movie set up. Um, it's shot really well, and it the shots themselves reveal the actual truth of the matter. But go ahead, continue. I'm sorry, I cut you off. That no, that's I. I have I have I have my issues with Alien Covenant are well documented on this podcast. I <laughs> I. I, I think Fassbender is great. Uh, I think the rest of the movie is insultingly bad. No, it's um, not. It's insultingly not. so. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> did you see? Good. Did you do you listen to Screen Drafts? The uh, podcast. Drafts? No, no, I don't actually. I'm aware of it. I've never listened to an episode. Uh, they just did a Alien Predator um, like super draft where they rank all Alien and Predator movies. Do you know where Alien Covenant ranked? I hope the very bottom. Third. That's sir. fucking insane. <laughs> Listen that to the podcast. That is fucking insulting. That's, that's, why, that's why the podcast is so good. Because sometimes it'll do things that piss you off so much that you're just like, oh how is this fucking God. happening? That has to piss you off. Like that, come on, on some level. Third. It ranked third. Oh, I, okay. I kind of Let me name all of the it. movies in that <laughs> franchise. Both yes. of them. Yes. That is better Those... than Alien Covenant. Alien. 
Yeah. Aliens. Sure. Alien that, those ranked above. Uh, Alien, Alien Resurrection. Can I tell you something? Predator uh, two. I I would Prometheus. I would disagree about Alien Three. I think Alien Three is worse than Alien Covenant by far. Fuck no. The extent uh, maybe the theatrical cut. The extended. No. Oh, dude, dude. Better. I don't give a shit. Like, okay. Uh, huh. Alien Three. Alien Three is not as good as people make it out to be. I I I am not. An Alien I don't 3. understand. Okay, I don't understand why you're saying that. Like people love that movie, Paul. People, oh no, it is like the thing now to like Alien Three. Is that That's Halloween? Like, has it's it reached it's Halloween like Halloween 3? Three now to like okay. Alien. 3. Yes, it is. It is a hundred percent reached that tier, and oh, I think it's not that great. It's fine. I mean, look, I cannot. First off. How in the world, dude, can you can you get mad about Covenant for killing that one random character from Prometheus off when you and forgive Alien Three for killing off Newt? Like, well, I can tell you why. The Are you off ready? I can tell you. I can tell you why. Are you ready? Why is that okay? I, because I didn't have an entire movie setting Newt up as the lead character with her you own did. journey. You had a- no, Paul. no, 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 up no. New. The, Yes, you did. That's what no, Aliens is. No, and if you like no, Aliens, then it doesn't no. make any sense to not like Aliens. No. No, no, no. no the equivalent, <laughs> the analogy would be if you start Alien 3 and Hicks and Newt get out of their pods and they turn around and fucking Ripley has been unceremoniously killed off screen. That would be the same thing. You, you, and you know what? Right. I don't understand why people get annoyed about Alien Three killing those characters. Out. No, I'm annoyed by it. But what? But that's the point of the movie is that you know the universe is a dark, it's shitty writing, shitty writing. I don't all of it. So and it's shitty writing in Covenant and it's shitty writing in Alien Three. It was because they wanted to go in a different direction. They wanted to do something completely different. And so they wrote a shitty way of getting rid of those characters. It literally would have been better if they Evil Dead 2'd it and just said those characters never existed. Okay. That, that would have been... I, I, I disagree, and mainly here's why. If you... if Okay, if the movie opened with those two characters dying, and then what followed was a riff on either the first or the second movie, then I would agree with you entirely. But you can't tell me that that movie doesn't completely fall into line tonally with the ice water in the veins opening of that movie where you find out that those two beloved characters died. I just don't believe that Ripley's reaction to it is realistic. Like, she doesn't... I I don't buy her character in that movie at all. I, you I just, see her sobbing at one point. I, I, like, yeah, at one point. <laughs> like mourning people is more than just one scene of sobbing. I don't know. I not if you're. Oh, I would think. Okay, cheap. And then and how frankly, many movies? And then and here's the other thing: the alien in that movie, the CGI is so bad that it just completely makes it unwatchable for me. I don't know. I, I the mean, the CGI alien is horrible. It's horrible. It's 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 unwatchable. I'm sorry. It, are we talking about Alien Three or Covenant now? Three. Three is worse than Covenant by far. By far. No, no. You know what? I'd rather watch Requiem. I'd rather watch AVP Requiem than three. I don't think three is that good. I'd rather watch AVP Requiem than uh, Covenant. 
That's fine. You can you can feel that way. <laughs> I, I I I like I like Prometheus. I, look, I have I a think... weird ranking. My ranking would be like it would be Alien, it'd be Aliens, and then probably Prometheus, and then probably Covenant, and then I all the rest. It doesn't matter. It'd be like three. I I'll, I'll admit this. I've not seen Resurrection. I've never seen it. I don't I I don't know if that's good uh, or not. It's it is okay, so it was filmed by one half of the duo that did um um uh oh fuck, City of Lost Children. Um and oh, okay. Dessens, uh Jean Pierre Genet. It is beautiful. Like it is, is it a, really oh my god, I, it I is Joss Wheaton wrote it, right? That's it's weird. a it's a gorgeous movie. All of the characters is have Buffy in really, it? Do what? Is Buffy in it? Because Josh, uh, it's in the Whedon verse, right? I mean, you know, there is there is kind of a hey, you just got to see it. Um, but um, oh, Ooh, wait, we're missing a big reveal. I feel like this has been our most non-commentary. It's <laughs> been awful, Paul, for a good movie too. Um, I know. He I, looks what, like look, you at, know what? look at look at Peter Cushing there. He I, looks like a seventies Bernie Wrightson don't uh, you comic think... book panel come to life. Don't you think our commentary is indicative of the fact that this movie's really good because it's really fun? Yeah, that's the thing. There isn't a whole lot to dig into besides, yeah. hey, this is really fun. Hey, the performances are really great. Uh, hey, some of the stuff looks really good. Hey, here's some of the history. And then beyond that, there isn't, I mean, it's a, I hate to say this, but it doesn't quite have the depth of some of the, I mean, I like it more than Curse no, of the it Werewolf, doesn't. but I yeah. will admit that Curse of the Werewolf has much more depth than this film. This movie Thank is you. a popcorn flick. I like that. And I like that you said it. Yeah, well, there, it is. I mean, it's true. It, it is absolutely true. I know. Um, it, it's not as well done, and it's not engaging at all. But, you know, yeah, there is depth there. <laughs> Shut but, up. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, Jinx, I've missed our little chats. <laughs> but this, uh, this movie is, I mean, it's... I mean, look at that. As I'm about to say it, like there is Peter Cushing uh, buckling some swashes there. Like he uh, buckling some. Swashes. I don't know, <laughs> but it's it's a popcorn movie, and there's only so much mileage you can get out of a commentary beyond. Well, here's what's happening on screen. So I say, why not diverge and digress? Uh, I next. Think I, well, I think it's gonna. Be, I think our commentaries are probably more fun when we diverge. Because then, who knows what we're going to talk we're not, about. You know, I, I was talking to Daniel Epler on Cobwebs about this, and he actually talked a bit about getting hammered with Hammer. And okay. he made a good point. He was like, you know, you can listen to other commentaries, you know, with like, you can listen to the Marcus Hearns and the Peter, whoever the hell's. And uh, I heard that, and I was just kind of like, well, you know, we we try and be the Hearns, you know, for a while, but after you get so much alcohol in us you know it's just kind of difficult to be that i got a little defensive you know maybe a tad uh but but he's <laughs> right he's not he's not wrong for saying that uh but the thing is is like you know those guys do that thing you know and that's great and i love those commentaries that's not what this is and it's not what it should be you know it's we otherwise it'd just be aping what other people could do i i like the fact that we just kind of to me this is more like these aren't necessarily Hammer commentaries. This is this is a couple of pals sitting down and watching movies. We just happen to be watching Hammer films and getting drunk. That's a hundred percent what I think of as as this. This is two horror fans who are friends sitting down with some drinks to watch a Hammer movie, and what happens happens. 
it is what it is. Yeah. Which, um, by the way, uh, I don't hate Alien Three. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think okay. it's as good as. Okay, uh, uh, Alien Resurrection. You should absolutely watch because here's the thing: is it great? No, it's not. But it is a hell of a lot of fun. It is drop dead gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is having a fucking blast playing somebody who is not Ripley. Um, and uh, 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 my God, um, Winona Ryder has never been cuter. Um, really? Uh, oh my God! Uh, Including Dracula. Dracula, she was just straight up beautiful. Like. Right. Uh, Resurrection, she is like, uh, uh, I, I don't you know, know, she's just adorable in it. Um, I love uh, Winona. Michael she's Wincott, Brad Dourif, uh, fucking, uh, Ron Perlman. Like okay, this. You've sold me, you've sold me. And I own it. I have it on Blu-ray. It's so good. It, it's so good for what it is. Uh, Gary Dordan is in it playing a kick-ass character. Um, it is, yeah, it's just, but it's fun. It's fun. It's not, is it, I think a lot of people are holding it to the standards of the first two films, which I guess fair enough, but no, instead it's just like, it's more like a dark horse comic book yeah. offshoot of the previous movies. And so if you can, if you can accept it on those terms, I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. By the way, I love this ending. I love them burying him in the fake grave, and I love the reverence with which they treat the burial. Even his his opponents, like that's the thing. Yeah. There's a sense that that's why I say like there is a version of the story where he is not necessarily the villain or the antagonist, that where he's the hero because he, I think deep down he is a good man, you know. And and I don't I don't see him. I, I mean, maybe maybe I'm weird, but I don't see him as the villain in this film. He he's not the villain. I think he's the antagonist by virtue of the fact that he's at odds with the guy that we have to accept as our hero. Yeah, but sure, I don't know. I don't because I don't really like the captain that's hunting him down. Like I kind of think of him as a dick. Like he he's like the he's like the like the jock at the cool fraternity in a in a college guy movie. Like like that's or the a dean or something. Like that's a stretch. Just, He's just kind of a dick. Like I don't know. He, he just—he's like the the obvious cool guy that is a good person. He didn't earn it. <laughs> like it's easy for him to be the good hero guy because he just kind of looks the part. And... So what you're so you're saying that like it, okay then, <laughs> then okay so that makes Peter Cushing like what Jeremy Piven in PCU is that what we're saying here? Yes. Hundred percent. What a what a movie that would be. <laughs> I would watch it. I mean, I would too. personally. But uh, we did it. We watched uh, Captain Clegg. I got. Well, we. I mean, we did. It definitely ran while we were. It talking. ran. I okay. <laughs> did I watch it? Maybe. Did I talk about everything other than the movie? Absolutely. Did I drink five beers? I did. Um, did i did i eat dinner i did not oh uh you know do i have to work tomorrow i do uh what's what will become of me Uh, no one knows but all i can say is that i'm here for the listeners doing commentaries that i think are informative important (laughs) and i think you know 
someday these will be referenced in thesis papers on these films. Okay, now you're just being snarky. <laughs> now you're just kind of undermining what we're doing here. You're undermining no, I, the entire I would enterprise. Never, I would never undermine the Hammer Pub. I, I would never you, do that. I think you have. I think I, you are. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you you would do it by saying that beer isn't a real drink. Well, it's not. And, well, I just had five of them, and my state of mind suggests it is real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I, 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 okay. Final thoughts on Night Creatures. Okay. It's pure popcorny fun. Yeah. It's not as sharp as a typical Terrence Fisher production. You can tell, much like you said earlier, it's definitely a B movie, but Cushing is on top of his game. It's a fun story. And as a result, it is, I think it's, it's, it's top level, it's top tier hammer for me. Like it's, it's up there. Yeah, despite all odds. And this is one of those cases where the B-movie sort of outshines some of the A-movies, you know? Like, this was a movie that they did not put as much attention or care into, but it's elevated by the fact of the performances within them, you know? I I think of... um, like Plague of the Zombies is another one that I really love that was not an A feature. Um, and I think this one really just kind of shines. It's an absolute blast. Um, you know, it doesn't have, like, like, like you said, we, we, we didn't talk a lot about it, <laughs> but Sometimes you don't need to talk about movies. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, they're really good. They're really fun. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I agree. <laughs> now, all that said. Yes. Um, Alien. Aliens. Alien 3. Prometheus. Okay. We're not that um, far off, by the alien, way. Alien Resurrection, Predator 2, Predators. Oh, I love you. I love you for putting Predator 2 first of all the Predator movies. Well, That's it's amazing. The, it's, it's the best one. Okay, by the uh, way, ADP, by the way, can I tell you, on screen drafts, Predator 2 ranked like fucking 13th or 12th. Well, that's for high fucking up, and I was pissed. That's I love Predator 2. It Predator is... 2 is great. It's, anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. So much better than So the you went Predator 2 and then Predators. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Predator 2. Interesting. Predators. I'm going to do this next. I'm so excited. You ready? <laughs> yeah. AVP. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Predator. <laughs> AVP Requiem. Wait, you put AVP above Predator? Yes. Insanity. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Requiem. <laughs> A swift kick to the nuts, and uh, and then Covenant. That's uh, no that's, that's uh, my insanity. I here's right. the Predator to okay. me is not that great of a movie. I recognize why people love it. I get why it's iconic. I have just never connected to it whatsoever. Uh, I I think it's just pure like testosterone and nonsense. And I it's a Honestly, you could take that exact same movie 
and swap out the uh you know what swap out the fucking um oh the uh the 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 the, the Stan Winston outfit with what they originally had and nobody would give a shit about that movie the Stan Winston design makes that fucking movie and it occurs yeah, and to me I, I now so. have to rank I forgot I have to drop in the Shane Black uh predator nope. movie somewhere the- Predator. Uh, the Predator. Yeah. Okay, so what do you feel? What do you think about that movie? The Predator. I actually. Here's the thing. I fucking love that movie until its the final twenty act. minutes, uh, when yeah. it just goes to shit. Um, Which isn't his fault. That was a studio thing. And do you know the original ending? Like what it was supposed to be? Yeah. Which would have been awesome. Admittedly, yeah, uh, like yeah. um, it should have been that. Uh, why it wasn't that? Blows my mind. Um, well, it's because he did want to do it. it yeah, but you, at this stage in his career, whatever, you throw enough money at him and the promise that he'll be in the follow-up, he would have done it. Uh, I'd say they probably wanted him for peanuts relatively. And uh, yeah, no. They could have gotten him if they tried hard enough, and they didn't. I guess that's true, because he did do another Terminator movie, which was shit. And Exactly. Like, He's, he, he keeps doing them. Um, although I like Dark Fate. Um, no, uh, so I would probably, even for its fucked up ending, and its ending is fucked up, I would probably drop The Predator in between Predator 2 and Predators. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Doesn't matter what, just, you know, the important thing to remember so, is Covenant is dead last. Uh, and, and I respect your ranking. I do. And I, and I'm someone that, like, I'm all in for, like, people's takes on these things and i think it's cool because like there is no definitive way to look at it for me and i i'll admit i like predator one a lot so like before i do my ranking i'll say this i think predator one really is a great movie and i think it it subverted maybe accidentally but it subverts a lot of the machismo 80s tropes like in a 2020 lens, like or through a 2020 lens, like I, I, I don't really give them the credit that they 100% knew they were doing it. But when you watch that movie today, it feels like a parody. It really does. It feels like a farce. And that makes the movie better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we sort of credit it as being better because I think that's how we watch it. Um, forgetting they, all the great they screw up what should have been the most badass moment in that entire movie. Uh, do you know, do you know what? I, I, I'm not quite sure what you're referring to, but fill me in. We know Billy, right? Sure. Okay. He, to me, because of his, how quiet and still and stoic he was throughout the bulk of the movie to me was a tougher guy and a more imposing guy than anybody else on that team. Right. Mm-hmm. You had that moment when he decides to stand his ground and let everybody else go. And he drops his gear and he pulls out that knife and he starts cutting himself to get the scent of blood in the air the yeah. music is rising, and you know that you are in to watch a battle between these titans that is going to be the coolest fucking fight scene you have ever seen, right? And then mm-hmm. it cuts to a far shot, and you hear, eh, 
Like, I think it pretty much sounded like that, right? And then that's it. And then they cut back to Dutch and whoever the fuck else. And it's just like, really? That's it. That's how he goes out. <laughs> well, the thing I'll give it is, though, that that in, in and of itself is subversive. Given, like, what like what you get out of, like, a Rambo movie. You know, like, these are characters that belong in a movie where they win. These are the characters that win <laughs> in 80s action films. And seeing them all be killed in such a way to where they're rendered sort of emasculated, there's a statement there. But and everybody I, gets... I think that, like, even turning, like... Arnold Schwarzenegger into what is essentially a final girl. Cause this movie, you can't deny that this movie is an answer to it's a science fiction answer to the slasher film combining action elements. I don't, I don't hate it. I really don't. I just never quite saw it as the action classic that everybody holds it up. I, I see it more as I, yeah. And I, and I get it. I get it. I do. But I, I do think there is something to it that is more than just a fun action movie. Plus, why why did he not get every okay, I get what you're saying about how everybody goes out, but at least everybody gets their scene. Everybody gets their moment. Billy Like that's that's it, you know. But what I, you just said in a way explains it because it's like, Oh, this should be the coolest fight scene of the movie. And to undermine that expectation by just him being like pathetically taken out do the, do the screen shows how powerful and scary the monster is. Do the screen just once. I'm not going to do the screen. Go on, you, you did it. I did it. I mean, do you need me to do it? Yes. Uh... <laughs> no, come on, put your heart into it. I kind of, I mean, I did it. I did it. That's it's uh, you. You got a scream out of me, which yeah, I think is pretty impressive. If nothing else, but you know, uh, here's my ranking. I will say this before we go on, Billy, yeah. the guy who played him. It's the same guy who played the villain in. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Firewalker, the, uh, the Lewis Gossett Jr. Uh, Chuck Norris movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was a old Canon film or Golden oh, Globes. I film, know, maybe. I know of it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, uh, it's good. It's, or at least, uh, it was great to like eight year old me. Uh, I don't know <laughs> how well it holds up now, but well, that's one of those I movies will, from I childhood. I will buy it and I will tell you. <laughs> that's one of those movies from childhood where I'm just kind of like, Oh, I don't know if I want to revisit that because I don't know if it's going to hold up, you know. Uh, but anyway, the guy, uh, the guy who played Billy in Predator, was an actor named Sonny Landon. He actually, like, uh, he he wound up trying to run as uh, I want to say governor of Kentucky, and he took classes at this little place at ACTC which was a stone's throw away from the movie theater that I worked at in Ashland, Kentucky. So, dude, nothing happens in southern Ohio slash eastern Kentucky. Like, it's... So, the fact that the dude who played Billy in Predator was, like, a guy that you could just see bopping around town (laughs) at various points was kind of uh, mind-blowing. When AVP came out, he did, like, an appearance at uh, the movie theater that I worked at, like, just 
signing shit and shaking hands and everything. It was it was all very weird. But um, I don't know. It was just that's a weird thing to talk about, I guess. But I don't know. It's, that it's is bad. that is weird. You want to hear my Billy scream? <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Not bad. Not was, bad. I mean, I feel like that was a pretty good representation. You, yeah, you. Of what it, the actual scream was. I think he got close. But yeah, close. <laughs> uh, so I will try my best to remember all of the movies in these two franchises and rank them. Uh, it's going to be similar to yours. Alien, Aliens, um. Then I go, honestly, probably Predator, Prometheus, um, Predator 2, because I, I love how batshit fucking nuts that movie is. It's so good. Oh, Predator 2 is the best. Um, also, I can't really rank Resurrection because I haven't seen it, so I'm just not going to include it. Uh, after Predator 2, I'd probably go, uh, Predators, probably The Predator, probably Alien Covenant, then probably, what's left? Uh, um... Have you done the AVPs? Yeah, those are my bottoms. I was going to say, like, Covenant is pretty close to the bottom of your list. Yeah, but I like Covenant. I don't hate it. I mean, it's a good good franchise. (laughs) It's... I don't hate it. I still like it. I mean, it's like when I rank Halloween movies. I love all of the Halloween movies except for 8 and the Rob Zombie movies. But, like, everything else is good. So it's like, even if 5 is low, I still really like 5. Uh, then it would be AVPR and then AVP. That's how I'd go. Okay, so you brought it up. Now we have to do this for you. No, no, no. Ready? No. Nope. So Halloween. It is one of... No. Halloween. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't open this can. All right, fine. Here's the thing. We We could do a whole episode... <laughs> <laughs> what what do you want to say, say say put put it out there do it go no 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 it's, no it's fine, it's fine. It's i'm nice good stuff. i'm good don't have to no, rob zombie fine. made some shitty movies and you want to defend them that's fine yeah that's that's not, <laughs> that's not nice. i i i like lords of salem that's a really good movie lords of salem is great that's and cool. then he made then he made a he made a uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film. He made one of those and uh he made a Halloween fan film. And they're about as good as the fan fiction you might read online might be. Um and that's, you know, that's fine. I would say your rankings are probably if I had to guess I would say the first Halloween is at the top. Yeah, absolutely. I would say 
you seem like kind of a Halloween four kind of guy to me. Like Halloween four would probably be right up there for you. It's up there. Yeah. I would say, I, yeah, I, but I would say, yeah, like after that, I would probably say you go back to uh, the Carpenters. You would probably do Halloween two and three after yeah, four. I, yeah. Then, I, uh, the, the only thing you're wrong about is two is my number two. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I really I, like to. I would have said you would have gone one, four, two, three, five, six the producers cut, H2O, six the theatrical cut, Resurrection, and then the two Rob Zombie movies. You're you're absolutely right, except for two like two being two. You're sure about after it. that it goes you're, to You're certain four. it's not Halloween four and then Halloween two. I'm sure. Because I love to. Cert- I love to. So if you were to have a conversation with Paul Farrell from October 4th, 2018, <laughs> easily searchable on Twitter, I, look, you're saying you would have look, an argument with him about Halloween 4. Here's the thing. <laughs> Human beings are constantly evolving. It's a lot like It's a lot like a podcast, you know, like where... You start out getting hammered with hammer, and eventually you become the hammer pub, right? It's not what you initially... As uh, the Reverend Dr. Sin, and then sometimes you you, you You go a little Captain Clegg. Uh, Maybe you turn into the Reverend Dr. Bliss at some point. (laughs) All I know is my second favorite Halloween movie is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. That's my number two. It always (sighs) has been. And 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 everything else is is gravy. It doesn't matter. You are gonna watch Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween two one of these days and see it for the brilliant. I, I almost think Jake, slasher movie. We should like we should break the Hammer Pub tradition at some point and do a Halloween two. That'll commentary. that'll be that'll be for our Patreon. We haven't gotten there yet. But <laughs> for we, our we Patreon, if yeah. anybody pays us any money for this, <laughs> I just don't even know what to say. Well, you don't think we're putting out a quality cast, sir? I think we're putting out a lot of quality, but I can't imagine anyone shelling out money for it. Aww. That's fine. If they want to do that, that's great. But uh, uh, next Halloween, I think we should we should we should make that happen. I will. I will do uh, it. We'll, we'll be done with a hammer by that point. Maybe we can do uh, getting hammered with Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> getting hammered with Halloween. That would actually be kind of fun. Drinking and watching all the Halloween movies. I have a lot to say about Halloween movies. So I do too. I am in. That'd be good. Uh, all right, we are two hours and thirty-five minutes in. We're going to have to wrap this shit up. Uh, Paul. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, it, was it, it was it was a good way to cap a great day, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had some drinks, talked some hammer, talked some a bunch of other shit too. But the main thing is, is that Donald Trump will no longer be president soon. So yeah, that's, fuck that's, that guy. That guy's an him. asshole. He is. He is for a fact. So, uh, so glad he's out. Same here. Same here. I just, I, you know, there's a rumor I, I read somewhere, uh, was a variety that reported that according to certain aides, they've leaked, uh, him having said something like, uh, you know, the secret service is going to have to drag him kicking and screaming from the white house. And Paul, I got to tell you, I want nothing more Please, than God. for that very thing to happen. I that, want the, that would be, work. that would make 2020 worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Christmas, <laughs> like 25 days late, you know? So, yeah, let's hold. Fingers one one can out. dream. One can dream that that's what happens. I hope so. So now this is the part of the podcast where normally other podcasts do the thing where they're like, so where can people find you at online? But I feel like they that's know. not really our thing. So how, how are we going to sign this one off? I'm going to leave it to you. You know what? I, I interrupt you all the time. I feel bad about it. I, it's the booze or whatever. I'm going to step away and I'm going to let you close this episode out. Paul, sure. over to you. Wow. Okay. Um, well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I've had six beers a lot of beers and uh what i'm gonna ask that you do is take a little time for yourself over the next week take some self-care take a moment get away from work get away from emails get away from news and just breathe and enjoy the fact that the man that's in the white house is no longer there and can't hurt you anymore and that things will get better. And enjoy that moment. Do something nice for yourself. That's what I want you to do. And that's it. Otherwise, tune in next week. And we will have another conversation adjacent to a Hammer Horror film that we will call a commentary. <laughs> that I hope you very much enjoy. Actually, I what can't are we... wait to be back with you. What are we doing next week? I don't, I don't know. Please tell me so I can watch it. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, let's look that up because maybe it's something that we can actually uh, dive deep into. You never know. So it's possible. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's look up... Uh... This is just dead air. This is, uh, this this is, is a nightmare. This is good. This, this is, is a this nightmare is right now. We should this is not the like quality content people have come to expect out of the why hammer. why do people listen to us? Um, I you know what? It 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 doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've done the Brides of Dracula, we've done the two faces of Dr. Jekyll, we've done the curse of the werewolf, we just did Captain Clegg Paul. Next week we are doing the Phantom of the Opera. Ooh, and I have that scream. I have the screen for I, I do too. I can't wait to dive into it. So folks, next week we are going to be taking a deep dive into the Phantom of the Opera. I think we're going to be able to give you something more in the way of a commentary. Fingers crossed anyway, and we can't wait to do that. So uh, fingers crossed you'll, uh, you'll come back and give us another chance. Paul, anything? Yeah. Anything you got? No, I'm good. That's it? That's all we... So, you know That's what? It. Let's just... Let's just... Let's just, just uh, Seth... If you're out there in editing land, just cut me off right in mid-sentence. Just as I'm 